3 a.m. Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Hi, and welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. My name is Ileana, and I'm from Eleanor, West Virginia. And I'm here to tell you that you are doing a great job in your training. Whether you're having a good or bad run, you are putting in the work, and you can do it. So strap on your shoes, listen to the Rise and Run, and you all can do it. Have a happy running. Ileana, thank you for the intro. Great message. Spot on. She is right, my friends. You can do it. Let's talk about that a little bit later on. Let's get started first. Hello, my friends. Welcome. Welcome to episode 107 of the Rise and Run podcast. As always, we are delighted that you're here with us. I'm Bob, and this evening, I'm here with John. Hey, how you doing? With Lexi. Hello. With Jack. Hiya. With Alicia. Hello. And with Greg. Hey, hey, hey. All right, my friends. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. Let's see what we got going on this evening. Episode 107, we're going to finish talking with our budget panel, our friends from Magic Bound Travel, Maggie and Brad. Let's wrap up some of the thoughts they had about doing Disneyland or Disney World on a budget. We'll be talking tonight with Jamie from Knox Gear, talking about a product that a lot of us use and we'd like you to know a little more about. And our friend Pam from Fluffy Fizzies drops by for this episode. In the Race Report Spotlight, we had a couple folks finish the Chicago Marathon, and some of them are with us this evening. My friends, if you enjoy the Rise and Run podcast, please share us with your friends. Let them know about us, introduce them to the podcast, and bring them into the Rise and Run family. We love making the family grow. We want to share in their stories, their successes, their training, and their racing journey. Please remember to follow us on Facebook at Rise and Run Podcast and on Instagram at Rise and Run Pod. And visit our webpage, riseandrunpodcast.com. If you've got a question, a comment, a race report, or like Ilyana, you'd like to introduce an episode, give us a call, 727-266-2344, and leave us a recorded message. The Rise and Run podcast is sponsored by our aforementioned friends at Magic Bound Travel. MagicBoundTravel.com is a great place to start for planning your Disney adventure. We'll be hearing more from them later in the episode. Guys, I'm getting really excited. Wine and Dine Weekend, Wine and Dine Expo Day is now just three weeks away holy guacamole you said it sister that's crazy guacamole's extra (laughs) 
Usually about I, a dollar. I'll take that. Yeah. I am. I am just so fired up for the season to begin. I'm really excited about it. Looking at the training schedule, as we always do, it's week 15 of Wine and Dine training. It's a short week. It's a four-miler in Wine and Dine. Marathon weekend, not that much further behind. Marathon weekend now, 12 weeks away. We're 12 weeks away from the start of the 5K. Week 16 training, this is a long training weekend, and the numbers really are starting to get long. Your scheduled Friday is a walk, depending on how you're doing, a Friday or Saturday, but you've got a seven-mile walk, then you've got a 17-mile long run. Disneyland training's in week five. Disneyland is now 13 weeks away, one week behind Marathon Weekend. It's a three-mile run for the long one for Disneyland. Uh, my friends, uh, how's training going? Any tips or tricks for training this week? Well, I don't know if it's so much of a tip and trick. Well, I guess it is. So my training was derailed this weekend because all of a sudden on Saturday morning, I got the stomach bug. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, honestly, we're recording this on Tuesday and I'm still kind of feeling unsettled. So obviously I haven't run. <laughs> um, but I was supposed to do my long run on Saturday and that did not happen. So, you know, I feel like we're at the point of training where the miles are getting longer and sometimes life happens unexpectedly as it does. <laughs> and, you know, I think the important thing to remember is to, you know, there's the next weekend to keep on going. If, if you have a coach, talk to them and they can modify your training schedule. You can flip flop a weekend or two and just keep on trucking. So that's what okay. I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. G good luck. Really genuinely, sincerely. Sometimes people they say that sarcastically, but no, it it happens to all of us where unavoidably we miss something. And yeah, the bottom line is get back up and keep going. Mm -hmm. And stay well, friends. Yeah, that's the best advice, but we can't always all, all do that. <laughs> and I just want to put this out there as a reminder for everybody running wine and dine. Guess what? It's almost taper time, friends. Oh! I'm so excited. Yeah. So you put in the long miles, you're putting in the all in all those workouts. That celebration run is almost there. And it's guess what's even better? Is you right. get to taper and shorter miles right before race weekend. Yeah, this is true. I wanted to talk a bit about the long training runs. I had mine this last weekend. I did a four mile walk and a seventeen mile run walk. I wanted to pass along something. I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I think it's very much human nature sometimes to assume, gosh, I'm having a hard time, but I look at my friends on Facebook and they're all posting these great paces and gosh, it must be easier for them. What are they doing that I'm not doing? And I'm here to tell you that's not true. It's not easier for them. It's not easier for us. 
It's a challenge. I'll tell you what, what goes through my mind the night before or a couple days before it's time to go out. I get really excited. Oh boy, I get to run tomorrow. This is exciting. I can't wait to go until I actually open the front door and walk out and I go, oh geez, I actually have to do this running. It's not easy, but we're starting to see some of the improvements. We're starting to see some incremental progress. As you run along, again, my number this weekend was 17. The last two miles were pretty tough. In fact, I walked them in. That's okay on a long training run. But two weeks ago, it was 14. And the last two miles there were pretty tough. But this week, I didn't have much trouble getting to 14. In fact, I got to eight and a half and I felt great. I made my turnaround on that 17. I'm going, oh man, this feels great. The fatigue does set in, but the fatigue gets pushed further out every time. That's the kind of progress that you're looking for. Think back, not so much forward, think back. The long run I had before that was 12. That went terribly. But after 12 came 14, and the first 12 weren't that bad. So now my next long one's not for a little while. It's not this weekend. It's the weekend after. It's 20. It will not be easy. The last couple will be challenging. But I've got a feeling that the first 15 or 17, I'm going to be okay. We talk about the last miles. These are the miles we came here for. You want to work yourself up to long distances. It'd be great if you could just go out and run miles 17 to 20 and get the benefit of them and, and have the same fatigue. But it doesn't work that way. You've got to work yourself into it. And then you've got to push yourself just a little further, but you do it slowly. I keep saying baby steps. That's what we're looking for here. Small, incremental progress. And as you look back, you go, hmm, that used to be tough. Yeah, it's still not easy but it's not as tough as it used to be. And Bob, going back to what you were saying before about, you know, seeing all these paces, you know, posted online and stuff like that. I think that's what is the blessing and the curse of being in a running community is that, you know, and, and, and this applies to almost anything when it comes to social media, regardless if it's, if it's running or not, is that a majority of us have a mindset that we are comparing ourselves to everyone around us in you know our social media spheres and you know and and, and that creates a lot of pressure i would say a majority of us in in the rise and run community in the run disney community you know, we're, we're not Olympic athletes. We're not the ones that are, you know, towing, you know, the A elite corrals and, you know, looking to, you know, get those, you know, top five finishes or anything like that. Yes, we are training for a race, but our victory is is an amazing personal victory. And everyone's journey is going to be different and you will be accomplished no matter what you do, as long as, you know, we've always said you, you put in the work. So I would advise everyone 
for I know as as difficult as it can be, try not to compare yourselves and you know to others in the community. And, you know, especially because, you know, I know it's really easy with now Garmin and Koros and, and Runkeeper and everything like that to, you know, you, you post that photo and it's got your distance and your average pace and everything like that. The way that your journey goes is not dictated by those numbers that get posted. It's all about just getting the work done and having that personal victory lap that you are going to enjoy so much whether it's wine and dine or marathon weekend or princess or springtime or any other race that you're doing be proud of the work that you're putting in be proud to share the work that you're putting in but again try not to compare yourselves because regardless of what our paces are we are all champions and you have to remember that in the back of your mind yeah agreed pace is an individual thing Going back to those last two miles you're talking to have problems with, Bob. I know sometimes I look at it that way and I go, it's just two more miles. Break it down to a mile. Yeah. Go, I got one more mile. Then let's get one more mile. Because, okay, I'm 10 in. I'm eight in. It's just two more miles. You did eight. You can do two. That's a great way to look at it, John. When I did 15 um, a few weeks ago, I broke it up into smaller chunks of five. So I got the first five done and I was like, oh, this, I got that done. That's my normal um, shorter runs now. I'm like, okay, got the next one. I'm like, all right, I'm already 10 done. I only have five more to go. And that mentally was a lot easier. Um, And that's a a trick that I tell my runners to do too. And a lot of them like um, to break it down that way. I know 17 is a little bit trickier. (laughs) It's not um, as easy of a number to break down, but you can still break it down into smaller amounts, which helps mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. You you get to a point and you go, all right, I'm 14 into this. I've got three to go. I do three every Tuesday and Thursday. That's easy. I know. Exactly. Yep. Well, easy is not the right word, but I know I can do that. Absolutely. And I know specifically for races, how I usually break it down, especially with ultras, I usually break it down by aid station or water station. So I never truly ever think about the distance. I just think about the well, the full distance. I always think about the distance in between each water station. And that has always worked for me because if I allow myself to think about the full distance, it screws up my mind, my mental game so much. If I could take just a teeny bit of that chunk I can definitely compartmentalize it all a lot better. One more thought. You've heard me say in the past that these are the tough training weeks, and I still believe that. I still believe now, uh, really actually through about the end of November, these are the tough training weeks. Miles are long. You don't have the end in sight yet, but when you start getting up around 17, 18, 20 miles, then I start believing, yeah, you know, I still have a ways to go, but I can do this. I'm going to get this done. And you can do this. You can. Just keep left left foot, right foot, repeat. You can do this, gang. All right, let's move on. Let I tell you what. Let's get back with our friends, Brad and Maggie, and the rest of the Rise and Run gang and continue our conversation about doing Disney on a budget. Okay, we're finally on property. It's time to check into our resort, and I know this could potentially be a loaded conversation as well. 
let's talk about some of the ways to save money in terms of our hotel accommodations. And I think let's look at a big picture first before we start knocking it down into the nitty gritty details. Brad and Maggie, as travel experts that work with the Walt Disney Travel Company and then the other surrounding uh, areas in the greater Orlando area, talk to us pros and cons as it relates to a run Disney race weekend of staying on property versus just off property or even at one of the good neighbor hotels that are down in the Disney Springs area. Well, we all know that if your budget, which I want to preface that, you know, we're talking about people being on a budget and everyone's budget is different, right? So, you know, and it really has to be what is priority and important to you for your experience. So, um, you know, I might want to budget and prioritize more on the accommodations and being close to things and that proximity and that comfort and just relieving that stress. And then I'm going to eat very sparingly and save money there. Vice versa. We have some folks that they really want to maximize their time in the parks. And so they want to stay close, um, but they want to maybe stay more economical at a value resort and then put their money into splitting a VIP tour with nine of their friends, new friends or Friends. If the Farringtons um, are going to be doing this, I would like to be your friend that day. I know, so they right? split that nine ways. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to say, like when we talk about being economical and on a budget, like know that your budget is your budget. You know what that needs to be. What do you value the most? Right. What do you value the most? Right. So, of course, we always, if people can afford to, we always recommend you stay on property. One because we know. It is the most magical experience. That's when you've got the theming and and you're right there. But it also comes with all the perks of the early park entry if you're also going into the parks. It's got, you know, no overnight parking fees. Um, the free parking at the parks, which saves you a ton of time rather than hopping on the mm-hmm. modes of transportation. And so, and, and again, just that proximity. So, um and say that that would be the best and we've of course have all the different ways that you can save money for that certainly the booking as early as possible let me speak to that real quick mm-hmm. book is literally that that is one of the biggest key takeaways book as early as possible when they announce the weekend dates of any one of them and if those dates are available to book book it it is only $200 to secure your, uh, your your lodging, and we can book it as what they call a basic package, which is basically a package without tickets, and then we can modify it and add tickets if you want those later, but it's a $200 fully refundable up to 30 days before you travel. You secure it early, and that's going to be the greatest savings uh, for you because so many of our Run Disney clients wait until they get their registration, and then they book their, their hotel and lodging. And they are paying a higher rate mm-hmm. automatically. And so that's why we always tell people, book with us. Even if you don't get those race registrations, wait a little bit because we know they come back online often. And there's no risk because that $200 is refundable. But we'll be monitoring and you've already secured at a lower rate no matter what. So I know we we're you're talking about on property, but uh, I, I definitely want to yeah. input that. And I'll reiterate what they just said. You, It is fully refundable. Yeah. So if you don't get a registration, you can just cancel it and get your money back. I have done that. Like 
I have thought that I was going to a race weekend. So I've, I, in my head, it's like a placeholder registration for the, a, a placeholder reservation for the hotel. And then, you know, registration comes around. I'm like, oh, something else came up. I can't actually make it to that race weekend. Cancel it. Yeah. And let me tell you a mistake that I have made personally recently. I locked in Disneyland half marathon weekend on our lodging. I only paid our $200 deposit. I didn't get in. We didn't get in. It's one of the rare times we've not gotten into race registration. I dropped my room. And now all of them are coming back up and I'm kicking myself. One, because I'm looking <laughs> at pricing for lodging if on the weekend of even kind of a lot more than what triple, we got it for. Wow. Uh, uh, for, I mean, we were going to stay at the Disneyland hotel, but still triple after the mm-hmm. fact that it starts to fill up and they yield their rates on their hotels. They, uh, and so th- the more the hotels fill up, the higher the rates will be normally. So I know you're asking about some of the, the pros and the cons. So, um, you know, pr- pros just went through those, um, con i mean your your rate is maybe a little bit higher than what it would be off-site but let's look at the the alternatives i think it's those hidden costs people will go online they'll look at the economy sites like the the booking.coms and expedia and things like that and think that they found this much cheaper deal but then they haven't really stopped to take into consideration how much further away it is because again time is money um they, ha- you know, they have a resort fee that is going to be accept- taken at the resort. They have a parking fee. They have to pay to park at the parks, you know, all these extra added costs. So again, it, it, there may be some savings, but what is more important to you? No, Maggie, you're absolutely right. And what I want to chime in here is I've actually experienced all three of these different situations um, last race season. So for Wine and Dine last year, when we decided to come down, there was a situation where uh, what I like to call Disney math, where it's like, oh, I actually can save money because if I did the flight the, the night before, like the last flight out, that's cheaper. You know, the money that I would save there is like less than the cost of a hotel room or something like that. So I, I love doing that, but that, that ended up happening to me for wine and dine. The problem is I was staying as a DVC member and could not get a room for that particular night. So I ended up staying in, I think it was the Homewood Suites near Flamingo Crossing, which mm-hmm. is just west of um, Disney proper. I, I think a lot of the college program apartments are in that area. Yes. It's very, very nice. I mean, the, the hotel stay was lovely, but again, that's the one thing is you're going to need a rental car. And then, you know, because you're technically not on Disney property, you know, you'd have to pay for, you know, parking to go into the parks. So again, so it was a very nice accommodations. I was even impressed. The breakfast buffet featured Mickey waffles. So, it, you know, so Mickey waffles do exist outside of Walt Disney World proper. I was very surprised by that. Um, but the other situation I experienced was I came down early before my family for marathon weekend. 
And because of jobs I've had in the past in my current job, I had a boatload of Hilton Honors points. So I stayed at one of the Hilton properties down in the Disney Springs area that's part of the Good Neighbor Hotels. But Maggie, like you talked about before, sure, I was getting a really decent rate, but it was you know paying a $35 per day resort fee. And then parking at that area was you know 30 bucks. And I realized, oh, well, if I want to go to Hollywood Studios, I'm going to have to pay you know, $20 to park, it made more sense for me to get an Uber to get dropped off at the park, you know, so you do have to take those things into consideration. You know, again, that initial number might look really, really good. But when you look at the finite details, it might be just as much or maybe even a little bit more expensive than an all star, a pop century actually on property. And then plus on top of that, you're getting the race transportation as well with the you know right. the charter buses that pick us up each morning. Right. And that's a, uh, an important thing to note is that, remember, we're waking up at the crack of dawn. Or and way the, before the crack of dawn. And the further, um, yeah, we're in the middle of the night, 3, 3 a.m. And remember, the further you're away, the, the earlier you have to wake up. That, uh, that might actually eat into the way that you're running. And so there's an advantage of staying closer, uh, having that immediate resort transportation, uh, to to the start line uh, and to to the, to the races, because a lot of these, um, whether they're good neighbor or or uh, partner hotels in and around Disney property, you know their shuttles aren't running, but maybe every hour. I mean, their shuttle schedule is varies per hotel, and so you don't know until you until you do a little research and, and get there. So that's an important factor as well. I know we've mentioned it. But let's talk a little bit about the Disney value hotels because sometimes they get a really bad rap and people don't want to stay there because it's like not as much Disney magic. I know my experience, but I'll let you guys talk um, about what you've seen from your clients. Well, they are the first to sell out. So obviously they're very popular for race weekends. Um, another reason to book early because you probably aren't surprised. We still get multiple requests every day, even this week for people looking for value resorts for wine and dine. And unfortunately <laughs> you have to be really nice in your response to people to say that, that it's <laughs> wow. I mean, maybe something got dropped when people were doing their final payments and, you know, but no, I checked that day too when everyone was needing to make their final and nothing opened up. So those are, if you're wanting to stay value, again, book it. I mean, before you even get your race registration, but they're wonderful. We personally stay at those most often. Um, Pop is our absolute favorite. Because of the Skyliner and just the, the theming and all of that's, that. That's a but, different category, though, really. Pop, Pop Century mm-hmm. is in a category of itself because that's of the true. Skyliner. Pop Century is the, the most popular value resort, resort overall. Yeah. So knowing that, even on a non, you know, if you're thinking about a race, a run Disney race weekend, know that there are other guests that are not doing that that weekend that are targeting mm-hmm. Pop Century first and foremost as a value resort above and beyond the all-star resorts. <laughs> so that's good to, to jump in early. And obviously this, having the Skyliner, that for value, for saving time, for going to Epcot, for going to Hollywood Studios, for getting in and even exploring the boardwalk area and having that extra... Uh, capacity and and, uh, and adventure for your for your trips that if that's a value spending a couple 10 20 dollars more a night for for pop mm-hmm. 
or, or so that 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 might be worth it. But you're not going to All Star. It kind of frustrates me uh, a little bit for All Stars getting a bad rap because th- that if you're paying an extraordinary amount of money for your for your race bib and your transportation and and you want to go to the parks and, and enjoy your right. And I have a blast in those areas, especially at like all-star sports where you feel like you're immersed in a foosball game. Like I, I just have memories with my kids uh, when they were very young of uh, just playing. And even as a little goofy well, baseball we, even when our kids aren't with us, I still play uh, around yeah. and do goofy things. So like, there's so many things that has that Disney touch to it. You, you can't turn any direction at all-star sports and not feel like you're immersed in magic. And, and of course they've undergone an immense refurb recently. Yeah, so all three resorts have brand new refurbed rooms. Queen beds instead of double beds. A ton of storage. Right. So that is uh, uh, of high value. And I would not speak poorly of All-Stars at all. And I will say, you're. Ju- I mean, you're going to Disney to go run the races. You're not going to be in your room that much. Not to stay in your room. Like, you're, you need a place to sleep. And I mean, Jack and I have talked about this on the various trips that we've gone to, not to Disney World. It's like, yeah, we could spend 40 more, 100 more dollars on per night on a really great hotel that would be a really cool experience. But how much time are we actually going to be there versus Mm -hmm. exploring wherever it is that we are? Right. And I think that also is important on what who your travel party is. Yes. When I, when I was running Dopey, um, and Maggie was not, and she she would run some of the earlier races, she had a lot of time to kill. Um, when she definitely came and supported me a lot, but she yeah, also utilized the, the resort more. So if you've got some folks that are cheering you on and are partnering with you, that might be a consideration to look at another resort because um, they are spending more time there. But if you're in a group that everyone's running, your time in that at that resort is going to be a lot minimal and you might not have the ability to take advantage of all the amenities. So the all-stars are a real plus. One tip that I wanted to give is, you know, maybe the one thing that might detract someone from wanting to go to an all-star or a pop is, you know, they are from a square footage perspective or, or acreage perspective, they are the biggest resorts on property. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you say book like a standard room, there's a chance that by the time you get dropped off at the bus, you know, you could have, you know, an eight to 10 minute walk from, you know, the front of the resort back to your room. And obviously being on tired legs during a run Disney race weekend, obviously that might not be the most ideal, but the one tool that I would love to suggest to people and, and grant, this is not a sponsored ad by any means whatsoever is touringplans.com. Um, the, the team over there, they have th- this wonderful app that is really, really good about, you know, helping you save time in lines, at the parks and everything like that. But one of the other features that is included in that, in that paid membership is a resort room finder. And they have people that submit photos of, well, this was the exact room that I was in. This is what the view looks like. And then they've actually, because they're such statistical people, 
are like, okay, this room is a quiet room that faces southwest, so it's good for noise, and it's only a four-minute walk to, you know, like the front lobby or something like that. I've used this website over and over again that even if I book, well, I'll give you a great example. When when Maggie booked my room for Springtime Surprise last year, I got a a just standard room in All-Star Music, I used the touring plans reservation finder and I requested a room in the jazz building, which is like the second building It's like right next to the preferred section. But just because I asked for a room on the backside, which was considered a standard view, I was able to get very close to what I wanted. And I was maybe uh, less than 30 second walk from the preferred section of the resort that costs $30 more. So there are other tools out there to help you get the quote unquote perfect room um, at your resort. And I will also say when you get to the resort to check in, you can always ask them, Hey, yes. do you have a room that is, I don't know, closer to this bus stop or, I mean, they could always say no. But they could say yes. Right. And and the, with that preferred, you know, if that is something that is really important to somebody, I will encourage the preferred just because you know for sure that you're going to get in one of those room assignments. Um, we love touring plans, too. We'll look at those. We'll, we will fax on people's behalfs uh, the, you know, room requests. But what we've always told people and, and what we're always told by cast members as well is that's it's a request. You know, it's not it's not guaranteed. Not guaranteed. Um, you may or may not. And so, you know, if it's worth asking and taking the chance or like Lexi, just get there and bridge the pro at being like, hmm. Always ask. Always ask. The always, worst they can say is no. Always ask and ask early because the way that they assign and allocate rooms, there's a whole room allocation team that usually works from about, you know, four to seven days in advance of your arrival they are placing obviously first priority people that need special accommodations first and that require them. Those are first dibs automatically. And then they follow through with the best requests that they know how to do. Well, in the, if you get there early, sometimes that room allocation has shifted depending on guest arrival. So you can always ask. Um, it's harder to do at later arrivals, obviously, because people have already checked in. So if you get there earlier, there's always a higher likelihood uh, of doing that. I also put out there, me and Lexi have done this a few times. If we know there's going to be a group of us going, we share a room and um, it's so cost effective. And even when uh, when we're going out to Disneyland, it may not be a Disneyland hotel, but it's less, it's what, maybe like three quarters of a mile walk to the parks. And for an entire week, we're maybe paying, what, three fifty per person? Yeah, about that. And that's just because... You know, I searched on booking.com for like three weeks and I was like, (laughs) no, we're going to do this one because I saw I saw it at a price and then there's four of us. They're going to be staying in that room. And, you know, that makes it where we can stay the whole week for $350 per person. (laughs) And when you do like the other things prior, like for booking the flight, I use my miles. That's completely free. Staying with friends, we already knew we were going to go split it. And it's only three fifty for that. So really you already with the registration. Yeah. But it's really, it adds up to being a very budget conscious trip. The more you dig it deep into it. 
And the last thing I'll mention in, in this particular section, and and this kind of keys off on what Maggie said when we first started talking about rooms, is you know budgeting is and value are very subjective things to each person. And the, the one other option that I think that people could look into, especially if you are a larger family, and I will fully admit in full disclosure, I had done this before I met my good friends, Brad and Maggie here, and before I was a DVC member myself, is I actually rented DVC points. Uh, now, Grant, not as cheap as staying at a all-star uh, resort or something like that, but there are these brokerage sites and, and, you know, before it used to be just like one or two players. Now there are just so many out there in the game, but you know, if there is a DVC member out there who is not going to be able to use their points, you know, they'll work with a broker and then that broker will work with a potential, you know, renter. And you can usually stay at the deluxe resorts on property for a a discounted rate. I remember one of the first times I did it, I stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge for what I would assume would be the same price as staying at, at like a moderate resort, for example. So it's one of those things where, again, if you have a large family, maybe you need multiple bedrooms, maybe you want a full-size kitchen or something like that, um, definitely look into renting DVC points. And just to add to that really quick, I literally just came back from a Disney trip two weeks ago using David's DVC rental points. Mm -hmm. And um, it was awesome because not only are you staying at a deluxe resort, but you're also getting the perks of being a deluxe because you get to do the extra magic hours late at night. So if you're going to like marathon weekend and you want to celebrate one night and you're able to do the after hours, great. It's it's there for you. (laughs) Um, Now I will say the, advantage of using uh, Magic Bound Travel versus using DVC points is that Magic Bound Travel, if you want to cancel, you can cancel. And like they said, up to a few months, you can get your money back. 30 days. 30 days. Now, with the rental points, be aware. If you you know you're going to go, regardless of whether you get into that race or not, great. Then you can, there's the option of booking with the rentals is great. But the problem with it is you have to pay like within 24 hours of booking it and you won't get your money back. No, that, that's a very good point, Jack. And I'll give you a perfect example of this. Um, I was ready to run marathon weekend 2021. And um, I knew that, you know, I wanted to be able to get a room and, and rent DVC points. So my wife and I at the 11 month booking window, you know, we rented points in, in like Valentine's day of you know 2020 and then we all know what happened (laughs) and marathon weekend got canceled but i wasn't able to get my money back so it you know i still went and bob and i and john we did the the one and only inaugural skyliner 15k and it was glorious but again i i was already out that money so even though the parks were still in that process of reopening. We still had to go. So yes, there is a risk in renting DVC points. So yeah, make sure um, that people are definitely aware of that. But if you have questions at all about this, you know, feel free to message us. Uh, again, I've done it several times. So is Jack. So um, you know, we definitely have some experience in this area. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. Uh, DVC points are usually not refundable. And that's one of the biggest cons of renting DVC points. Anything comes up, you're stuck with the reservation just because let's say you don't get into the race but you already booked it through that 
Cheering is one of the most fun things I think I've ever right? done at a Run oh, Disney race. Yeah. I had a blast the year that I was actually injured and I was cheering with Lexi during the marathon and I had so much fun. So like, even if you don't get in and you do that, still go anyways because you still get to be a part of it and it's so exciting. You get to see the races in a whole new way. Um, But yeah. So that was, I I wanted to make sure that I, I mentioned that is Again, people are going to be focused on budget, but if they are traveling with extended family, if they've got people that want to come cheer with them, there's definitely ways to do it. And we often are guiding people of, because many years of Brad doing Dopey and I would be his marathon cheering partner. Um, you know, I, I've got the well-oiled map machine of like where to be and then which spot to get to and where's the best view and when to hop on the monorail and when to get, you know, and I, was trying to make sure I got to multiple points regardless of where we stayed, but grandma might not be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So some families really want their family members to be able to be there. And so that means that might be their priority and where their budget is spent is, is that going to be more at a deluxe resort over in the boardwalk area so that they really can just come right out, get a great spot, be right there on the boardwalk. Um, so again, just just knowing who all is going to be with you um, and doing those early. And then we know that when you book things extremely in advance, all those rates, all the, the pricing is going to be at the rack rates. And so Disney does not roll out any of their discounts or promotions until usually six months in advance. If we're lucky, it's just kind of seasonal. So, you know, like we just in this past week had a bunch. They, they notoriously dump several all at one time. And so it's like, if you're an AP holder, if you're a Visa card holder, if you're a Florida resident, if you have Disney plus, there's probably a promotion for you. And so of course, if you've booked it through a travel agent, the you're the first priority. So you're going to, you know, they're going to go back through and see if any of those apply. Let me reset that. If you've booked it through magic bound travel, we right. look, I won't speak. On that, behalf that, of any we're not going to speak on behalf of all other travel agencies, but we, but we know, try we anytime that we can apply a promo, we will, which is an important, if you want to save money, make sure your uh, travel agent knows all the discounts that you qualify for so that they have that immediately in, in their registration, uh, in, in your reservation record. And if any promo does come up, that can be applied. They know immediately if you're DVC, if you're Disney plus, you know, all the above AP. So that's an important thing, way to save some money um, if something does come around. Just as a reminder, if you're using um, if you're using the services of Magic Bound Travel, you're not paying extra to use the services. They're there for you. They're there looking up those deals, everything they can for you. So that's why it's also great um, working with them as well. We add value, not cost. We want to continue to do that because we believe that we'd rather have a return client year over year over year than someone that we've gouged with some kind of fee or add on that they that they're not getting, you know, um, they are being charged more. And now not to not to devalue services, because I believe our services are immense Mm -hmm. with uh, with our team of agents and advisors. But we that's a philosophy that we have. We don't want to add that extra cost uh, to our folks. We want because we know that's a big big cost already for folks. Now, the one thing I will say 
you know, as it applies to hotel rooms, vacation packages, and everything else that we're going to talk about, um, you know, for the rest of the time here. And and this goes back to a tip that we mentioned at the top of this discussion is a lot of these things can be paid for with a Disney gift card. And again, you know, like Lexi talked about, and I talked about, you know, again, you know, your Sam's Club, Target, um, you know, Costco's, you know, again, you can say, again, it's not an immense savings, but three to 5%, you know, add it up over time. That could get you a couple quick service, you know, dinners and stuff like that. So always, always keep that in mind as a form of payment for your run Disney trip. Now we're in our hotel room. Obviously, I know we got to run the races and everything like that, but obviously we like to spend time in the parks as well. Obviously, you know, there's not a ton of avenues when it comes to saving, um, you know, money on theme park tickets. I I do have one um, option for people, but I want to, Lexi, you know, do you have any tips in terms of saving money on theme park tickets? I'm going to say something that is, Probably the most controversial thing that I'm going to say this whole time. Ooh. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Here we go. I'm so on like, what? <laughs> you don't have to go in the parks on a run Disney weekend. Okay. I've done this before. I know that hurts a lot of everybody's feelings. But to be <laughs> honest, if you're on a budget, you're running through the parks anyway. So you get the magic without the line. And exactly. then you keep going. <laughs> Now, I will say, I will say, this is coming from someone who's done Disney 500 billion times. Yeah. (gasps) If if this is your first run Disney weekend and you have not been to Disney as an adult, please go into the parks. Right. Because they're wonderful. (laughs) This was one of my favorite things about planning my springtime surprise trip with Maggie uh, this this past spring because – one of the, the the stipulations that I presented my wife to, to get her blessing to go down was I'm not going to go into the parks. And the brainstorming sessions that Maggie and I had about, oh, well, we could do this and we could do that. It was absolutely wonderful. So, yes, you could have a wonderful trip without going into the parks. Even though I, I'm sorry, I was kind of the temptress the whole time. I was kind of like, but you could, but. I know, I know. <laughs> I know I made a promise. But. But seriously, there are so many things on Disney property or off Disney property that you do not have to go into the theme parks and pay anywhere from a hundred and what is it the lowest price a hundred and nine dollars now sometimes to a hundred and eighty dollars <laughs> anywhere in that range to go to a park for one day. Could I share also- what what breaks our hearts though as <laughs> As agents. Yes. Because when our clients call us, they've checked in, they're in the parks, and they were like, we want to buy tickets on site. And mm. we want to add, that is a good way to lose money. Mm-hmm. Anytime oh, you're goodness. buying so anytime you're buying on site and you have not planned ahead, you will pay more. Anytime you're adding on the park hopper option instead of advance, you're going to pay more. So planning and knowing what you do want to do ahead and 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 there is, I'm going to advocate for the people like myself that, that sleep is not an option. And I know that that's <laughs> not the going theme for this podcast. It's not a good recommendation. Where I will see happily ever after. I will go stay late night at the extra magic hours. I will do all these things because I'm at Disney. And for some reason, my energy goes. And I'm in the middle of Dopey too. And I've got my wife yelling at me like, wow. you cannot do this and live. But I am living it up. And I love it 
And so for, again, my road warriors, as well as my park warriors, <laughs> I am there with you. Good for you. And I'm fine to be like, y'all have fun. Sleep I'll get back to the room. I'll be asleep, you know, at 8 p.m. But if we are speaking about budget Disney and run <laughs> Disney trips, there, I, Jack and I have done several run Disney weekends where we did not go in the parks at all. And if you do wine and dine. I knew you were going to say that. That's why I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> If you do wine and dine, if you do the half marathon, yeah. the after party ticket gets you into Epcot for several hours. Yeah. Because I believe you can get in starting at yeah. four. And- yeah. Two, is it two hours before the party? Alicia's nodding her head yes, right? Like, or- let's, let's go to the wine and dine uh, half marathon weekend expert. Alicia, do, do you remember how soon you can get into the after party? I believe it's four o'clock. Yeah, oh, wow. Good. Okay. It changed a couple of years ago, at least. It used to be late, but now it's, yeah, it's, it's in the afternoon. Yeah. And the and the after party is until 1 a.m. So that's yeah. basically a whole park day Stay right late. there. Stay get, late for that. Yeah. And get this, you guys. I mean, not only do you get to have fun and eat all the food, once the park closes for regular guests... It's a partay for you, okay? And the rides are so open. And they usually do like some kind of specialty themed drink or food or whatever at the party. It's fun. Go and enjoy yourself. You didn't pay anything for it. If you're running the like half marathon, it's included in your park ticket. Which again, if you end up not buying any park tickets, guess what? You got a free one. Yeah, you still got a nap. Got pack your poncho. I swear it rains. Every and yeah, to ac- to accommodate Lexi's heartbreaking comment, <laughs> that, I know, I know. You know I, it, you know, another kind of pet peeve is for people to say, "Well, I've been to Walt Disney World. I've done it all." No, you haven't. No, right. you no, have never. not. Right. I, I cannot tell you how many times we have been there. It, it, it too many, way too many and to ever per year new. that we can count. And there is always something new that we are discovering, and that's one of the, the great things that we love about planning trips is telling people the ins and the outs, if they are going to go beyond the parks, which there's so much beyond the parks, so much mm-hmm. beyond the parks that there are so many, there's wonderful things that we can do to really um, make it a, a, just as magical as if you were in the parks, though it pains me to say that. I don't, we're not going to recommend the monorail lounge crawl <laughs> after they're finished doing all their running. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not listening. <laughs> so, so technically you could you could you, you you get off the race then you go to your crawl by the time you're done boom wine and dine party done yeah and i actually just confirmed on the website it's five o'clock not four o'clock okay um, oh, okay so, okay i mean it's still really early <laughs> it is yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good yes. yeah one thing i will say i know we're talking about uh tickets is that you might really want to research, especially if you're going on multiple Run Disney weekends, research getting an annual pass. And actually, Brad, that was a question that I was going to follow up with. So I this past year, I, I at least I've purchased the voucher uh, to activate an annual pass come this January. Um, again, I again budget and value being a relative figure you know, or um, you know word here, but. Let's just take the Incredit Pass because I, I know there's different levels of, of annual passes and stuff like that. So let, let's assume it, you know, it's somebody who's not a Florida resident and not a DVC member. 
doing that quote-unquote Disney math that I brought up, you know, a couple of minutes ago, in terms of park days, how many park days does it take for an annual pass to make sense? It used to be the rule of thumb was if you're going to be there 10 days in the parks over two trips, 10 days, you know, combined where you're going to do four and six or, or five and five or whatever, then you might as well get an annual pass. That's not true anymore because of the date based tickets. And because the pricing really ranges, you need to look at the, the times that you're going. And I promise with run Disney race weekends, those tickets are going to be yeah. higher because they're over a Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Sunday's typically a little over, but a Friday and Saturday. So the, the rule, my new rule of thumb is you're probably looking at about eight days in the park um, where you're getting really close, if not superseding that $13.99 for an Incredit pass. And remember, you're getting discounts mm -hmm. and you might be able to apply the discount on your rooms. So when you factor in the discounts, even if you're getting close to that $13.99, if you're going for two different weekends, race weekends minimally, and you know you're going to be in the parks, it is really worth it to research uh, uh, an annual pass. Now, I will say you don't have to pull the trigger on that early. Uh, if you've already got your tickets in place, then mm -hmm. you can always apply that ticket on your last day of your ticket use during that trip. Uh, and then you can apply it towards uh, going towards the cost of an annual pass. Um, but of course you won't be able to apply the discounts if anything comes out, but likely for an AP discount. I mean, it's, it's not likely for a uh, run Disney weekend. So again, my rule of thumb is probably eight days in the parks over two trips more than likely an accredited pass is, is good. And and you only need one person, you know, to get it. Your whole family doesn't need all your travel mm -hmm. party doesn't need. You really only need one person. Same thing for the memory maker. Remember Not everybody needs to get the memory maker. In fact, if you have all the folks that are on your friends and family on my Disney experience account, only one person really needs it. Now they're going to have to go a little bit of an extra mile to type in, you know, and, and relay all the pictures. I think, how many for run uh, Disney can six. you do? So you can do up to six and, and type in the code that's on the back of your, um, of your bib. So if you average one memory maker per six people that, you know, that's a great way to save some money. And that's just kind of communicating with, with each other there. So those are again, annual pass uh, date based. You just need to do some math there, but more than likely it's eight days and share that memory maker to save some money. That's one of my favorite things to log into my Disney experience. I get to see John's photos, you know, and then you know, be able to download them, and make them in the background of my phone. It's 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 really really special. I have to excommunicate some of our agents on my on my friends and family list okay, on my Disney experience because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I see this one more time, come on, <laughs> there's too many of us going too often. So uh, I've I've had to limit that. So it gets a little wild. So another little hack with the annual pass. Uh, we did this. We did this for a while. If you could get technically two years out of one annual pass. So it's from date of purchase. So what I used to do was when we had, my kids were younger, do a last week of August trip in say 2023, then do a July trip of 2024, then not renew it and then go back the next year and wait till my next trip coming up in 2025 and pay it again. And that was, a, that saved money because I wasn't going from a whole, basically a year again. So it does save money that way. So look at it. I mean, to prepare the 
the renewal price to what you're going to get. But if you're not going to go for a year after your last date, that's another hack with the annual pass. Good to know. And then the last thing I, I was going to mention, and, and now this, this is non-annual pass related. And again, not a sponsored ad by any means whatsoever. Uh, there is an extremely, extremely reputable website out there uh, called undercovertourist.com. Uh, and you can get theme park tickets through them. Now, there it's a slight discount. It's not much. But again, the theme of, you know, of doing this on a budget and everything like that, you know, usually you can save maybe $30 on a ticket or something like that. So again, it, it's not much, but it, it is an option for you there as well. And one thing I'll note as well, too, is that if you do buy tickets through Undercover Tourist, and you have to make changes or something goes wrong or whatever. It's a situation where you'd have to work directly with undercover tourists, not your travel agent or something like that. So that's just one thing um, to keep in mind when you do purchase tickets through a reputable third party like UndercoverTourist.com. All right. I know we have spent a lot of time talking about a lot of great things. We're going to wrap this up really, really quick here. The last thing that I think we'll chat about is saving money on food. Lexi, do you have any really good tips in terms of how to save money on food while you're on property? Yes, I sure do. So I remember my mine and Jack's first run Disney event that we did together. It was princess 2018 and both of us were working multiple jobs, like serving retail. We had zero money and I took in my suitcase with me to Disney world, a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter Mm -hmm. and packets of oatmeal and Boom, breakfast, lunch, completely done. Was it fancy? Absolutely not. Did it feed me? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, and and, you know, that's, I love Disney hotels and food. I love food. (laughs) But if we are trying to make it as budget friendly as possible, you can check those things in your checked bags. And they will not take them away. I've had bananas in my suitcase before. Now, bananas <laughs> mm-hmm. do tend to get a little bruised in your suitcase. Bagels are great, too. I stuff bagels in there. I stuff bagels mm-hmm. and Nature Valley bars, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the great thing about Walt Disney World is that you can take them in a little backpack inside the parks. Right. Doesn't so that- instead <laughs> of paying... 15 to $20 on quick service. Now, yes, quick service is the cheaper option. But instead of paying 15 to $20, you can have a peanut butter sandwich and there's your lunch. Usually, I would try to do one meal in the parks and then one meal that I bring myself. So I still get a little bit of the Disney food, but not spending, you know, $150 a day. A few other ways that you can save money um, if you don't want to bring in your own food um, or have it in your hotel room, you can always go to those quick service restaurants or even the table service and split meals. Or um, sometimes what we do is we'll get a couple appetizers, which ends up being cheaper than a meal, but it's plenty of food um, to split and have an entire meal for a cheaper amount of money. Um, So those are two options as well. 
And another option is uh, kids' meals aren't for kids. Amen, brother. Amen. Yes. <laughs> they they don't know who it's for if you order on the app. So I tell them it's me. <laughs> I'm, I, they don't I'm turn ordering you away. a kids' meal for myself and my <laughs> wife to split sometimes <laughs> to go real cheap. And uh, yeah, they they won't blink at that. And I love the kids' meal because if you know the right places to go for the quick service, they have the unlimited refills for sodas. So if you need a quick pick me up in the midday and you don't want to spend four dollars and fifty cents for a bottled soda, make sure you go to those and just chug away. And your free glass of water. I was fixing to say get your free glass of water. You can also take an empty water bottle and either fill it up in one of the water fountains there or Get a couple of free cups of water and fill up your water bottle yourself. Yeah. Disney has recently added a lot more water stations too. Mm -hmm. Um, So as you walk past them, just kind of make a mental note. There are websites that you can find the information out there as well. If you just Google um, water, free water stations at Walt Disney World. Yep. There is a refillable bottle location at the Tron ride. Yes. (laughs) Good to know. And your room comes... I believe all of the rooms come with a coffee pot and Uh complimentary Joffrey's so you can have your daily dose of free coffee. Real quick, does anybody have any, again, we're thinking from a budget perspective here, any like really good bang for your buck quick service restaurants on property? So Brad is restraining himself. He has a secret that he probably shouldn't be telling everybody. Uh Uh-oh. If well, we won't tell anybody, Brad. Yeah, we, we won't tell anybody. Because, we promise. Because of the Rise and Run listeners, if this changes at all, <laughs> I, will, I will be on the course with you. And I will find you. So, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm sharing this. Seriously, Trails End. If you, yes. you know, it's a little bit out of the way, but you got to get there. But I can feed a family of four exceedingly well we're stuffed stuffed for under seven dollars per person and that and, and is, is this with the new refurbishment too that just happened yes because oh they wow shifted okay. just a little bit and it's not on the menu when you walk in it is on the the app the app uh that you can order but it's the eight piece family meal and it comes with mashed potatoes and gravy, a huge portion, a huge portion of mac and cheese, and an, and enough um, cornbread to feed a family oh, of four. That so that cornbread is really good, mm-hmm. and they give you good pieces of chicken. It's the you know the same chicken that's coming out of the hoop de doo kitchen, mm-hmm. and really all the foods coming out of the hoop de doo kitchen. So it's the same quality of food, and you find a fun place to eat, whether it's inside or whether it's at a picnic table uh, around you know Fort Wilderness. And, uh, and that I used to call it my chicken bucket. Cause again, I'm a little older and I remember when KFC used to put chicken in a bucket, it's, it's more of a chicken bag. <laughs> and again, when, when PJ's was there, it used to be a part of PJ's takeout, but now it's a part of, of um, trails end and it, it's there. And if that price goes above 26 99, uh, it will be because of rise and run and again, <laughs> watch out. Y'all, that's my that's my chicken bucket slash chicken bag meal that I feed my family a lot when we're there. So, Brad and Maggie, uh, if we want to use your services for our run Disney weekends again, how do we get in touch with you guys? 
So you can always find us on the interwebs at uh, magicboundtravel.com. We actually have a specific Discover Run Disney site. So it's got all the different information about all the race weekends as well as all the other destinations that we cover. And then um, we have a big presence on Facebook. So find us at Magic Bound Travel Facebook and also on Instagram. Or if you're already working with one of our travel agents, please go back to them because we value relationships. We want to be with Mm -hmm. you with the long haul. We want to know what you value, what you cherish, what you really appreciate. Because that's what we believe makes our travel services special is those relationships. Well, everyone, I think this has been an extremely, extremely enlightening conversation. I think we've all had a lot of wonderful tips shared and we've learned a lot of things. But here's the incredible part about this podcast and our podcast community is I'm sure we'll start threads on our Facebook page and our Instagram page about other cost-saving tips that I have to imagine these threads are going to blow up with, you know, people's ideas, you know, you know, they're probably listening right now and probably screaming at the radio or their headphones. Like, how can you have not mentioned this or not mentioned that? Or, or Greg, that was a horrible take on that or something like that. So I, I cannot wait for this conversation to continue online. So Brad and Maggie, on behalf of everyone here at rise and run, thank you so much for joining us. And we cannot wait to see you at the next race weekend. Absolutely. Thank we'll you be at wine so and down. We'll much. be at marathon weekend. Uh, we, we won't be unfortunately, like I just said at Disneyland or princess but we'll be at uh springtime surprise but we have always have run disney or one written disney team at every single race weekend so we look forward to seeing y'all out there well friends i hope you enjoyed that and we hope you found some valuable tips in the last two weeks and maybe you can save just a couple of bucks i know it's not easy maybe you can save a couple of bucks on your next disney trip you know the one you know the thing i took out of that most I am making my hotel reservation as soon as Disney publishes the dates for next year's races. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That was one thing Brad was big on was make it early on. You can always change it if you have to. And Bob, I know over the course of the last two weeks, you know, we shared our tips, Brad and Maggie shared theirs, but I'm sure our listening body and our our awesome community probably has some wonderful tips out there as well. So we'll make sure to start threads on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, so that way people can, you know, share what they know so we can continue to help one another out, you know, so we can go to as many of these awesome weekends as possible. That's a good idea, Greg. Speaking of helping one one another out, many of you are aware of this, but I must be reminded that we always have new listeners and we always have new folks getting involved in the races. If you go to our Facebook group site, Rise and Run Podcast on Facebook, we have community chats for every one of these races and for many of the larger races that are going on around the country. I know we have them for all the majors. I know we have for Space Coast, Marine Corps. You are welcome to join those. There's a great deal of information that is shared in those chats. Those are very helpful, not just for budgeting, but just general knowledge about those specific races. The group community chats, they're on the left-hand side. Go ahead and take a look at those if you haven't already. I'd like to remind our friends that Wine and Dine Weekend now, three weeks away, which I keep saying because I have to pinch myself because I can't believe it. We'll have a group meetup. It will be Saturday, 3 p.m. 
at the food truck area in Disney Springs. Nothing particularly special about the food truck area, except it's a nice open area with plenty of room for all of us. Uh, There are places to go to get drinks, something to eat. We just want to see you there. One more thing. If you're new to us this race season, we are getting close to our first Run Disney roll call. What's that, you ask? Well, the race report document, if your name is on there for Wine and Dine Weekend, we're a couple of weeks now from going through and reading all the names, which has become a tradition here at Rise and Run, which I just get the biggest kick out of. I really love it because it grows. I think the first time we did it, we had 18 names. I think now we're almost at a point where we need a new episode just to read all the names that are on there. It's awesome. But yeah, if you're not in there, get your name in for the roll call, please. My friends, we have new medals to talk about. Yes, sir, we do. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I'm, I was open the very first time when they came out with the themes. I was like, okay, I'll tell you what. I was pleasantly surprised about the medals. I think my favorite one is Tiana. I think that medal looks gorgeous. And then the challenge medal with, is it's frozen, right? That's the challenge. Yes, yes, that's the is. challenge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. those are really well done. Now, the 5K is nice, but not my favorite. I think that one's my least favorite out of all of them. Again, again, 98% of the folks listening know we're talking about the Princess Weekend medals were released. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I get so excited. I forget to give more details. Well, it's easy to do, Jack. (laughs) It's very easy to do. And I think almost everybody realized that, but I thought it was worth uh, specifically mentioning. Well, Bob, what do you think of the medals since out of all the hosts, uh, you will be the only one earning uh, the princess medals this year? So what are your thoughts? I'll give you just a general impression. And I was chatting with you guys earlier. I rehung all of my race medals. Here's an interesting bit of trivia. I ran a fair amount in the in the 80s, from 80 to 90. I ran a fair amount. There were no medals. I did the Honolulu Marathon. I do not have a Honolulu Marathon Excuse medal. I don't know me? when. Yeah, I don't know when medals became a thing. We got t-shirts, but no medals. So I don't know when that started. Sometime between, I... I I stopped around 88 or 89 and picked it back up in 2016. Somewhere in that era, (laughs) you started getting medals. Uh, But one of the things that I thought was kind of neat is that as I re-hung my medals in chronological order, over the years, over the last seven years, Disney has really upped their medal game. They're they're much prettier. I look back at the the 2016-2017 Wine and Dine medals compare them to, well, even this year's princess and next year's look very, very, every bit is nice uh, that I think they're, they really look great and I'm happy to be earning them. So wait, Bob, hold the phone. So now I'm curious now that you know what wine dines is looking like and marathon weekend is looking like in princess. I mean, you only got springtime surprise that right, we haven't seen right. yet out of all those weekends, since you are technically earning them all 
Which one are well, you I'm most try. excited? Yeah. Yeah. So which one is your favorite one so far that you've seen that you're like, I can't wait to get that metal and put that baby right up on my wall. All right. Again. Well, the, the answer to your question is Marathon Weekend and, and the dopey metal. Okay. I think it's cool. I think the goofy metal is usually pretty neat too. You know, I'm a big goofy fan. I'm, I'm big and I'm goofy, but, uh, I, I like it also. But circling back to Jack, what you were saying earlier, I I remember the conversation that we all had when the artwork came out and we were like, "Eh, like this kind of looks like child you know childhood like paint by numbers kind of thing (laughs) and and i think it was bob who like wisely said like let's just wait till like the medals come out and then everyone can settle down about this i i I think once again bob i think you were right because i i think they did a a a nice job with it again i'm not like a super like huge fan of like i i understand what they were going for but i think they made it a little too simplistic but now seeing the medals it, it it definitely has changed my tune on it, even though I'm I'm not going to be there. But I, I'm excited for everyone who is running Princess, who are going to be getting these medals as well too. Not to mention the challenge medal with the little Olaf on there. That's just I do that's like just that, super yeah. super cute. Yeah. Well, also the the medals actually look like a nice cohesive theme because yes. like yep. if mm-hmm. you look at Wine and Dine, I feel like the medals look are very distinctly per the race, but as you put them all together, they kind of look a little bit, you know. I don't know how to best describe it. Do you know what I mean? A little disjointed. Yeah, I've I've seen that in previous races too. Like they're beautiful medals, but when you put them collectively as a whole, they look just slightly disjointed. Whereas these ones are going to look so nice all together. So if you're doing the challenge plus the 5K or just the challenge, it's going to look like such good pictures. Yeah, I don't want to be trite, but they're pretty. I mean, to me, that's the bottom line. I think the princess medals are, are pretty, and I will be happy to put them up. Fun times, friends. Good to see the medals being released. Hey, we've talked a bunch that Wine and Dine's coming up, and one of the things at the expo, we get to visit with our friend Pam at Fluffy Fizzies. And as a matter of fact, she's here to visit with us right now. Pam! It is always good to see you. How you doing? I'm great. It is always good to be here. Well, thanks for spending the time with us. Hey, and thank you for your efforts helping us and many of our friends in their charity bibs by uh, by selling those bath bombs for us. Yes, thank you very much, Pam. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, they were fun to create. This time we had. I believe 40, 46 is what we ended with, 46 different fundraisers. Um, we, we raised some good money and, um, you know, helped a lot of charities. Yeah, it's it's appreciated. I think you ended up about $1,100 total, something I, like I that. I was going to say about 1200 I think, was about the final. It just yeah. about, yeah. 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 Well, I a lot of effort, and it's greatly appreciated. Hey, here's an, here's an open-ended question for you. What's new? Oh, I don't know. I think we're we're coming up on a a race soon, if I'm not mistaken. Heck yeah, three weeks. Yeah, and we have some fun themes. We we tried to go all in on the themes uh, as much as we could. I knew there were going to be a few races that we were going to have some challenges with um, intellectual property, of course. Um, you know, not infringing on Disney. 
um, you know, but, and, and I'll tell you about each of them. So for the 5k for, you know what, wait, before I do that, before I tell you what the themes are, can I kind of tell you my process and then what I discovered about these themes? Of course you can. Yes. Okay. So when it comes time for each race weekend, I have to figure out what it's going to look like. And I also have to figure out what it's going to smell like. So I try to think of something that would work, um, you know, with each race, what, what would you smell? And then, this, <laughs> so see, a lot you, of people probably don't, don't that. Think this, right? Well, not, a lot of people probably don't think, what would this theme smell like? Well, this year, because of that, I might be the only one that realized Run Disney did a theme of smells for these four races. Oh, really? I, I, and, and luckily, I could see your faces right now because you're all looking at me. Tell us more. Okay. Right. As soon as I give away the first one, it might it might help you with the rest. Alice in Wonderland. Do you remember what they painted red? The roses. The roses. Mm. We're painting the roses red. Oh yes, of so, course. So I was like, oh, I could do a rose smell. That would make oh, sense, right? That's good. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Then let's move on to the 10K. What's the oh, 10K theme? Stop it. I know. Keep going. You got already think about it so what's the big flower in beauty and the beast the rose rose. okay now okay in kanto we might have to be pushing it a little bit but i want you to think about all of the what does she you know what does she magically create all the time flowers roses right and then finally this one this one made me go hmm who remembers the original version of uh, Journey into Imagination, where they talked about the smells and you actually did smell roses. Now, when you go on it, it rolls the, the you know, the, the wheels and it goes skunk or rose and you know what we all get. There was a time <laughs> back in, in the beginning where you went through a section and it smelled like roses. And I went, oh my gosh, rose would work for every single one of these. But I didn't rose on any of them. So anyway, <laughs> love it. <laughs> but I did, you know, I did think. Okay, I guarantee you, nobody else thought there could be a theme of a smell through all four of these races. But no, you got rose, it. Ro- roses are there. But let's talk about instead what we really did. So um, for the five k, we did a crescent bath bomb that looks just like the Cheshire Cat smile. And the scent of this one is as if you're in the forest during the night, you smell some flowers, some greenery, sort of the night air. So uh, none of them I'm giving a real scent to because they're mixes of scents. That's how we created all of these. The 10K. um, Oh, the 10K. So we decided to choose Lumiere out of all the characters and create a bath bomb that is a candle with a little flame soap on top. But just this past week, we went a step above. If you happen to follow us on TikTok, you might have seen a video. Every single bath bomb is coming on top of a little candle stick. It's really oh, cute. It's adorable. It is yeah. adorable. <laughs> so, um, so that's our 10K. Uh, for Encanto, we had to go with the flowers, and so we're doing different color flowers. Um, oh, and I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't say what it smells like. The candle kind of smells like the gray stuff. It's delicious. 
So it is a... That stuff is delicious. Oh, yes. So, so you know that's kind of like oh. a cookies and cream type of yeah. taste. So that's what we went with for the smell. It's actually a bakery smell with some chocolate mixed in. It smells fantastic. Um, the the Encanto, we went with flowers, and we also did a floral scent to it. So it's sort of like roses with sweet pea and just different, a blend of flowers. Um, okay, then the challenge. We all know what the character is for the challenge. Of course. I knew the challenge character would be a challenge for us to get approved. As everybody by now knows, we have to submit everything we do to Disney. And, you know, we we can't encroach on any intellectual property rights. Well, if you think about it, everything about Figment is is really trademarked in the song. He's got two tidy wings, eyes big and yellow, horns. Guess what? None of that was allowed. Oh, my. So we left Figment behind. And even though we had a very a couple of cute prototypes, we knew before they said no, we were gonna get a no on that one. So uh so we went with the light bulb of inspiration. Okay. So the inspiration bath bomb is actually two bath bombs you're gonna get. The bottom part of the light bulb is separate than the top. The top is purple and orange. It's a cute little combination of colors there. And do they smell and- like skunks? They do not smell like skunks. We decided not to go with skunks. Um, You know, I wanted this one to be sort of fun and childlike because let's face it, that's what figment is. So I went with a sweet and sour candy smell. So it's a a candy. um, It's kind of fun. And like I said, very childlike and, and, you know, light and scent. So those are the four themes and then i did listen to some of the listeners who said hey can we have more shower steamers that match the themes yes this time we'll have all four shower steamers good as well that sounds great can i just say to our listeners that i wish you could see pam's face and body language when she's (laughs) talking about this because like her entire body is lighting up of excitement like it's fantastic to watch i love you thank you it's actually you know what and i have to say every day so we kind of work on bath bombs in batches of like today is the challenge day and all i keep doing in my head is singing the songs from those themes so whatever day it is, I'm usually like wrapped up in that theme and it's just a lot of fun. That sounds wonderful. Um, Pam, we know how to order fluffyfizzies.com. Yes. Now, when ordering, is it best now to ask for an expo pickup? Yes. Okay. So the official deadline for pre-orders is going to be this coming Sunday. Okay, that Sunday. Is, uh, that would be October fifteenth. No, October fifteenth. Okay. Okay, that's the last day for guaranteed pre-orders. Meaning, if we don't have a hundred inspiration bath bombs yet, but there's been a hundred ordered, we will make them all. But we have to put a date of okay. We've got to make sure this is how many we need. What's being made? What's being packed up and brought? So. I say it's the last day for guaranteed pre-orders, but we're going to do our inventory on Monday after we fill all those pre-orders. And if we still have, you know, 35 of a bath bomb, that's what goes in the inventory. You could still pre-order all the way up till the race begins, really. But 
once we run out, we run out. So if it's before the expo, we run out. If it's during the expo, we run out. So that's why I say this Sunday is the deadline for guaranteeing to get what you want. That doesn't mean you're not going to get what you want. And it doesn't mean you cannot do a pre-order the way we, so, um, the staff almost killed me when I tried <laughs> a couple times ago, but you know what? I'm feeling brave. We're going to keep pre-orders open unless we have to close it. Um, actually they're going to be orders. They're not even going to be pre-orders because we're going to let you order even while there. And we're going to try to pull things. Now, if it gets out of control, we'll stop it. But, um, so it's a little different when you're ordering, you don't look, you, when you get to the shipping page, you don't choose shipping expo pickup. Instead, you're going to pick local pickup. And that means you're picking up at the expo. So you'll see it's either ship or pickup. And you're going to choose pickup. And that means for the uh, expo, just come on up. Do not wait in line. Just walk up to anybody that's working the booth and um, give us your last name. And we'll grab your bag from the back. And folks ordering the happy running code will work for them, right? It does. Happy running will definitely work on all your pre-orders. I'm happy to say we have a lot of happy running every single day. Well, that's great because we have a lot of happy runners. So that's, that's cool. right. Yeah. That's right. If you're not familiar, it's a code. Uh, we partner with Pam. It's an affiliate program and she will give you, it's 10% off, right? That's correct. Outstanding. We appreciate that too. That is correct. So Pam, you have um, a couple of products that have some new packaging and maybe some new sizing. Would you like to tell us about those? Yes. So literally just today, our boxes came in for our famous glitter lips. So Ooh. this is a product, um, believe it or not, the first time we launched glitter lips was February 2020, uh, the week before the world shut down. And that was, it was incredibly successful right at that expo. And then we had a nice long break. So we came back with the glitter lips and they have been picking up some steam. You may have seen the announcers wearing them. Mm -hmm. um, you may have seen fellow, many, many fellow runners wearing them. Uh, and, Wait, and John Pelkey wears lipstick? <laughs> this is news to me. I haven't gotten John, but. Yeah, be news to John, before. too. Yeah. Never say never. I, I believe we're going to get Tinker Bob wearing it one of these days. Yeah, right. So, I'll, wear it when Pel wear. I'll wear it when Pelkey wears it, okay? Oh, There's a deal. Bob, right. um, you should we're get the green it. one. <laughs> yes. Yes. So um, so anyway, you'll, you'll see a lot of people wearing the glitter lips nowadays. So we're ready to hit the ground running. We created some new blends of colors. Even the ones we had are different. So I wanted to make all the colors more dimensional. So it's no longer a single color glitter. Instead, they're all blended. Um, that's one change. Is So we, we introduced teal, um, iridescent. Iridescent has been flying off the shelves. Uh, I, have, I think it has to do with the 100-year theme, and that's kind of a purplish iridescent. So iridescent's a big one right now. Uh, but like I said, all of them are, are revamped. The great thing is you're going to see the colors more clearly when you come to purchase because the new packaging has a cutout where you will see the glitter through the packaging. So it'll make it much easier for shopping. You don't have to ask us for a certain number, and we have to look on the bottom and find the number. Um, and probably the most important thing, the biggest complaint we ever get is that the glue, there was no, wasn't enough glue. The new glue containers are about four times the volume. 
four times the volume. So you'll get a lot of uses uh, out of them. It's it's no longer, you know, it used to be maybe 10 uses. You're, you're going to be getting a good number of uses out of this larger container. So very, very excited about that. Um, another of the products that, believe it or not, we launched in February 2020. It didn't really get time to kick off before everything shut down is the battle paint. So we decided to bring it back this year. So battle paint is hair and body paint. It is an oil-based product uh, about this. Each of them, each tube's about it, it actually it very much resembles like a, a lipstick or a lip balm. And it has mica. You can draw on your head. You, you know, Greg, we can just draw right on your head if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Do it. Oh, my gosh. I could draw you for you. <laughs> we can put it right into your hair. And so it's almost like just drawing on your body with color. And because it is an oil-based formula, it stays on during the whole race. It's waterproof, sweatproof. But the great news is for your hair, it comes out in one shampoo. So That's good news. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's not really, you know, it's not messy either. You know, putting it on, you just draw. So um, it's going to be a fun product to, to launch. So, Pam, are you telling me that I could potentially have blue hair for my Hades costume? You, you, oh, you could. So we are selling this in a pack of five. And oh, okay. it's definitely one of the colors that is in there. Ooh. So the, the easiest, the best thing to do with these sticks is really streak your hair. Don't try to color. You're not going to color the whole thing. You'll mm. be in the all morning doing that. But beautiful streaks. And then I'll let you in on a secret. The glitter from the glitter lips works wonderfully with hairspray to glitter your hair as well. So then you can <laughs> compliment. So look, Lexi, you can have blue lips. The blue streaks, blue glitter in the hair, you'll be all set. I love it. I will say I can't use the lipstick. Oh, there, yeah? It's a, yeah, it's it's a little too sensitive. My lips are, I can, really yes. sensitive to some chapsticks and all that kind of stuff. I totally understood. Um, people will ask me at the expo what it feels like, and I don't lie. So I don't say, oh, it doesn't feel like anything. No, it feels like a glue glitter to my lips because that's really what I did. (laughs) So so I'll never say, you know, like you don't feel it. I notice it. It's there. But it's not anything where I um, where it's annoyingly there or anything like that. But if you are sensitive, it's it's not um, this is not a natural product. Gluing glitter to your lips is not a natural product. So um, unlike when we make our bath bombs and our, you know, body butters and things that are natural, that is not. So if you have sensitivities, you might want to avoid it. But I, I did purchase it and try it. Oh, and did now you? I know that I can put it in my hair. So yes, it, yes. Was, it was not a moot purchase. No, no. Bring your hair. <laughs> and, and if you're able to use the glue in any other part of your body, if your lips are more sensitive than, say, your cheek, you can use the glue to draw a, a you know a star or whatever you want on your I cheek didn't even think about and that. put the glitter right on there and it'll stay. So it works on any part of your body. It doesn't have to be the lips. Um, people do you have good it, ideas. <laughs> really people good do ones. put it as um, on their eyes. I don't recommend it. I've had a glitter injury in the eye and it does it can cut your eye. So, uh, but people do do that. 
Um, I don't, I never recommend that to people, but other parts of your body go, go crazy. But I'm even thinking like to put something along like the corner of my face and do like a flame or something. Yeah. Like, that would be really cool. You know, it'd be really cool. A scar. You could have a scar oh. costume and do one like right around the eye. I'll be your Mufasa. <laughs> okay. We're going to go sorry go down a different topic. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. My bad. My bad. <laughs> The ideas are just flowing. Thank you, Pam. <laughs> Pam, I know you started an effort with uh, CBD products on a site called Zen Grove. Any news with that? Well, yeah, actually. So it's thezengrove.com. So because, you know, we're the, the one and only thezengrove.com. Um, the good news there, that's where we do our CBD products, which we are not allowed to sell at Disney. Um, there would be shipment only. However, it was kind of a pain in the butt sometimes for people to go to the Zen Grove and then come back to fluffyfizzies.com to get their bounce back products. Instead, now you can go to the zengrove.com and you can order your CBD products, your bounce back products, your glitter lips, all in one transaction. So you're not having to pay two different checkout carts. Um, for fluffy fizzies, though, because of the Disney connection, if you're looking to buy things like the 5K and the 10K theme things, you're just going to find a link back to fluffyfizzies.com. But for everything else, you can order you can order it in one cart, pay for it at one time. Good. Sounds like a plan. Pam, thank you for joining us. We, oh golly, first of all, it sounds exciting. Uh, we're, we're happy for you. We're excited. I know our friends love the products and I like hearing about them. And Pam, we're 21 days away from the expo now. (laughs) It's exciting and it's scary all at the same time, but I can't wait to see everybody at the booth. Stop by and say hi. I know a lot of our friends have done that already, but we'll encourage them more as we get closer and closer. Pam, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Always great hearing from our friend, Pam. Look forward, friends, even if you're not buying anything, when you get to the expo, and I'll say this again in coming weeks, when you get to the expo, drop by, say hello to Pam, tell her you heard her on the Rise and Run podcast. You'll you'll enjoy it. You'll get a kick out of it, and so will she. Another way to support the show is through our Patreon. Uh, Our Patreon can be reached at patreon.com slash rise and run podcast. And we want to thank a couple of Patreons here that we uh, that are new Patreons. Uh, we have Brian from Newcastle, Washington, Leslie from Bozeman, Montana, and I think I think we're pretty sure Jody's from Central Florida. So uh, yeah, I think so, John. Not positive. Well, well, if we if we if we're wrong, we'll have an alibi and apology for next week. That's right. Jody will let us know if we're wrong, but I'm pretty sure Jody's over there in the. Uh, Claremont uh, in the Disney World area in Central Florida. Once again, thank you to all of our Patreons. We genuinely, honestly appreciate your support. All right, friends, I know you have a long run this weekend. So we've got one more guest we are talking with in episode 107. And I think it's going to be appropriate because some of you may be starting that run really early in the morning. Some of you may be even going late into the evening when it's getting dark outside and we want you to be safe. Friends, every once in a while, we get an opportunity to meet with someone, talk with someone 
who's involved with a product that we, at least some of us, use and like and don't mind recommending to you. And we're talking safety gear in this case, principally, not entirely, but principally. And that's the Knox Gear Company. And with us tonight, the logistics manager of Knox Gear and the captain of Knox Gear Nation, Jamie Miles. Jamie, thank you for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad that you're here. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go on too much about the product, except to say sincerely, I've used it for, oh golly, probably seven or eight years now. And I think a lot of it, but I'll give you a chance to talk about it. Before we do that, though, let's find out just a little bit. Jamie, how did you get started with Knox Gear? Um, I started working for Knox Gear in 2017, and it was kind of by accident. They needed someone to start their ambassador program, and they're like, you would be perfect for this. And I'm like, okay. So that's how it started. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, was, it just happened and um, then became full-time. And I just kept taking on more and more. And it's really cool. What's, what's some of the stuff you like best? The, well, the stuff I like best is the shipping, I think. The moving stuff around, the managing different moving parts that I like. It keeps my attention. It keeps me engaged and keeps me busy. Yeah. And the people I work with are really great. Oh, that always helps. How long has Knox Gear been around? You started in 17. When did Knox Gear start? They became a corporation in 2012. So it was like Christmas time, 2012, when people could actually start buying the stuff on the website. Before that, it was a Kickstarter. Okay. Because I knew you said 17. I, I thought I had mine from about 15 or 16, but I can't recall. Yeah. yeah. I still have I the same one, by the way. For Christmas in 2012, I had no idea that anything, that, that Knox Gear was local to me, but my mother-in-law bought me the Tracer 360 so I wouldn't get hit by a car and die. <laughs> she, she's so thoughtful. She likes me. <laughs> That's great. Uh, she must. That's usually a plus. Don't die. She yes. Must. So I hear you're a runner and you're a pre-dawn runner? Yes. First thing in the morning before everyone else is awake, that is when I get it done. That's a good time. That's impressive because I have a hard time getting up. Well, it was to avoid pushing the stroller. Oh. Yeah. I would do anything avoid the strollers, including getting up at 4.30 to be running at 5. It was that bad to push the stroller. I did not have, um, you know, a really good stroller either for running. For running, yeah. They're, they're, I think that's pretty tough. I That I have not done. I've pushed a race chair for a half marathon. That's a little different. But uh have not pushed a stroller. Any special running events? What's uh, – What's going on in the area? What kind of running events have you been to? Um, I am actually trying to run a race in every state before I die. I have no no other timeline than that. You can't run them after that. So that's no. a good goal. 
So it's not anything like by the time I'm 60 or anything like that. It's just before I die. All right, cool. How how far along are you? I have 18 states. That's a good start. Mm-hmm. I just ran my 18th uh, in August. It was Texas. Uh, like, is it a certain distance or any distance? Any distance. It just needs to be... Um, a timed race. So it's official. Hey, Jimmy, getting back to, you know, the products that Knox Gear offers. I mean, obviously really innovative stuff. I mean, simple, but innovative. And, and to me, I think the most important thing is that it's effective in terms of, you know, people being able to see a runner when it's, you know, very early in the morning or very late at night from the company standpoint, has Knox Gear ever received some like, success stories or anything in terms of like has this product helped save someone's life or or help like avoid injury do you have any stories um that that the company has received or or positive feedback from other product we hear stories often um one that sticks out that i just remember all the time there was someone who was running it was icy out they were wearing their tracer and they slipped and fell on the ice And they injured themselves. Um, I think they tore a quad or something. Like they could not get up. And if they hadn't had the lights, no one would have seen them in the dark. But because they were wearing the tracer and they were lit up and they were blinking and flashing, a car, a driver driving by saw them on the ground and pulled over to help them. So keep... He may have frozen to death if he wasn't wearing his tracer. I would like to back up just a little bit. Now, we're, we here all understand the product we're talking about, and many of our friends who are listening do, but not all of them do. So let's go back, and we've talked about the tracer. Let's start right there. What is it, and how does it work? Um, the Tracer 360 was the original um product is an LED vest that pedestrians or cyclists wear. Um, and it has multiple um, color modes and flash settings. I mean, if you want to run to a rave, then you can do that with your vest. Um, the Tracer 360 ha- has been discontinued and the Tracer 2 is out now. The Tracer 2 has more LEDs, so it's a little brighter. And um, it's USB-C rechargeable, so it doesn't, you don't need batteries anymore. That's nice, yeah. The, the one I have still wears, uses batteries, but it, it works just great. And yeah, it, it fits around your waist. It, you have a reflective belt around your waist, and then the LED straps come over your shoulder, so provides visibility all around. There are some accessories that go with that, too. I don't have it, but I noticed there's a lamp. Uh, that that seems like a good product. How does that work? Yes. The lamp um, connects to the buckle of the tracer. It can be used with the original tracer 360 and it can be used with the tracer too. I did hear somebody ask yesterday that they were told that the lamp couldn't be used with the tracer 360, the original. And I'm like, that is incorrect. So they can be used with both of them. You do not have to upgrade your tracer to use the lamp. I recommend it because the Tracer 2 has 
different color options that are very cool. Um, but the lamp is 500 lumen on its high setting, or you can turn it on low and it's 250. And it is super bright even at 250. I always use it at 250 because the battery will last a little longer and it's still plenty bright enough to run on the road. If it lights, lights the way for you and you don't yeah. have any problem. So you don't trip over anything. Boy, it will take the place that. of your headlamp if you use one. So is it tiltable? It does tilt, yes. Mm-hmm. So if you're running up the hill, you can angle it up and see where you're going. How long does the batteries last on average, even on the lowest setting that you said you even use? For the lamp, it will last... Um, I think it's about four hours. I charge my lamp maybe twice a week. What about the uh, the tracer too? That, um, it varies depending on the color mode you use. The solid colors, especially blue, drain your battery the fastest. And that, even the blue, the one that uses the most battery power, um, that lasts for about six hours. Gotcha. Because I know, I will say with some races, especially ultras, if you go back to when um, Adam and the whole gang were on, they had to, I believe they had to wear some kind of reflective or Knox gear type-esque stuff during the race. So it's always good to know that if you know you're going to be running a race at night, whether it's an ultra or not, or in the morning just for training, it's always best to know how long it lasts because you never, you never know. Yes. And there are color modes that last longer than that. There, um, It will last up to 12 hours. Well, that almost makes my question a moot point. Uh, I was thinking about how Jack does ultras, and sometimes she has to like recharge things. Um, her crew recharges it while she's running, and it's daylight. How long does it take to charge after you've used it? The tracer, the vest, will take maybe two hours to charge. The lamp takes longer. It is a pretty hefty battery to power that thing for four hours. Can you use the lamp with an external power source, like a power pack? It won't work when it's plugged in. So it has to be charged. Um, The lamp itself, though, you can pull right out of the clip and hold the lamp. Um, And we joke because I, I told the guys when they were when they were developing the lamp that I like my headlamp because when I turn my head to see the skunk in the yard next to me, my light goes with it and I know that that's a skunk. And that doesn't apply when the lamp is attached to my chest. My whole body needs to move. So they made sure that you could take it out and aim it wherever you want. So you could have multiple um, lamps that you just swap out on your vest. Very, very interesting information there. Um, you know, I, 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 lo- I love the idea of the, of the swappability. That, that's really cool, really, really unique. But I know we've talked a lot about the Tracer 2. You know, we've talked a lot about the lamp. Can you just briefly mention some of the other products that uh, Noxgear does offer uh, to the running community? Sure. We have um, a light-up harness for dogs called the Lighthound. It comes in four sizes, so it'll fit like your little terrier and it'll fit your great dane we even have customers that buy the extra large lighthound and put it on miniature ponies i mean 
whatever you need. And oh, we get, wow. <laughs> yeah. And some people put them on their cats to walk their cats outside if it's a <laughs> big cat. <laughs> okay. So they're definitely not just for dogs. Um, and it, so that is really great um, for your companion that you're walking or running with in the dark. Um, we also have the 39G. It's a wearable Bluetooth speaker. It's tiny. It weighs about 39 grams. And um, it has a microphone, so you can talk on the phone with it. It does have a headphone jack that you can listen to earbuds. I use that option when I'm on a hotel treadmill. That way nobody needs to listen to the movie that I'm watching. Um, Or when I had a root canal, that actually really came in handy. (laughs) So if you're going to the dentist, take the 39G. Um, yes. I have a friend. I have a friend who uses it on an airplane. Yes, with well, the head with the headphone. The new phones don't have plugs for headphones or for earbuds. So when we got new, when we all got new phones in my family, the kids no longer had a way to plug in their earbuds. I'm like, well, I guess you need a 39G. <laughs> Well, going back to the whole um, product that you have for animals, just as a reminder, I mean, if you're worried about the size and fitting, there is a 45 um, guarantee uh, money back um, kind of deal that they have. So if you need to switch it out and replace it or you know what, um, you can do that as well. Mm -hmm. We have a size chart online. You can measure your dog. You could even call customer support. I mean- they're really good about answering questions or email and uh, we can help you fit your dog. Jamie, best way for our friends who are listening to learn more about the Knox gear products. Our website is knoxgear.com. You can find all of our products there. Um, we are on Instagram at knoxgear underscore nation and we're on Facebook at just knoxgear. Cool. Hey, in, inside scoop, any sales coming up? There will be a sale. I don't know the pricing, but there will be a sale for daylight savings. And Black Friday is always big. Black Friday, Cyber Monday. That's always a big Christmas shopping weekend. Beginning of November for going back to standard time and end of November for Black Friday. Yeah. Jamie, it's a good product. I've used it for years. I believe in it. I don't know that it's ever saved my life, but that's just it. I don't know that it's ever saved my life. And uh, I hope not to find out. But thanks for spending the time with us. We appreciate it. And we're glad you were here. Well, thanks for having me. Well, Jamie, thanks so much for for coming on and chatting with us about Knox Gear. Um, You know, it's such a fabulous product. I remember the first time I wore mine, I was actually going to do an evening run and I was gearing up and, you know, the sun was already down and my daughter discovered that there's like, you know, 12 different lighting patterns on, <laughs> yeah. on, on the trace too. So she kept pressing the button on my back until she found, you know, a color combination and flashing pattern that she liked. And it literally looked like I was going to go running for at a disco rave or something like that. So she was all thrilled about that. So, um, but you know, it, it's a product that definitely works. And again, for, you know, a safety concern, I, I think it's, it's really, 
a useful piece of gear for, for you to have. And this is extremely lightweight. So, you know, you pair it with, you know, your hydration vest or something like that. You know, you barely feel like it's, it's on your body. So, uh, you know, if it's something you're interested in, you definitely go check out, uh, check out Knox gear. Yeah. This is not an affiliate or anything like that. So this is just a product that we know and we believe in. Uh, my experience. Yeah. I wore it on a foggy day and had a driver tell me he could see me from half a mile away. So it, it, I believe in it. It works. Friends, upcoming episodes next week. We're going to talk with the young lady, Carissa Leibowitz. Instagram, she is quadricool. We'll talk with Carissa about a bunch of things, but one of the things I'm most, most interested in, she has just recently finished UTMB. Jack, tell us about UTMB real quickly. So UTMB is like, basically the epitome of ultra races at, at least in my eyes but i know in a lot of other people's eyes as well i think so too jack yeah. it is they now consider it like the world series of ultra running it's a 100 mile ultra race that is um you literally have to bring your passport with you because you run through a total of three different countries and it starts out in chamonix france and um you climb i'd have to double check i'm gonna make sure for next week but i think I'm it's 42 sure it's 30, miles <laughs> 33,000 feet though and you yeah. know what's crazy is during the UTMB series that whole week that they have there not like taking aside that 100 mile race they have distances beyond 100 I think there's oh was it 200 miles and they even have a kids like trail race yeah. going on too which I think is really amazing but we'll find it's out like, more. you can like live track this race it's literally so inspiring you want to cry for the people um that they finished the race there is like a there is a father a son duo and i found i think there was like somebody who was in the early 70s who finished the 100 miler i was like oh wow that's so insane because that is one of the hardest also ultra races around so we'll find out more about that next week i knew if i let jack loose talking about (laughs) utmb <laughs> it'd be hard to pull her back in i i know uh, it's gonna be fun you guys i can't wait I, it will be fun i i have never met carissa but i've been following her on instagram for golly six or seven years and uh she's really interesting and a lot of fun i look forward to talking with her episode 109 the week after that the puppet runner if you've been to a disney run you've seen the puppet runner he'll be with us for episode 109. Okay, my friends, the time has come. It's time for the race report. Okay, again, the the report, big weekend this weekend. We had a couple of significant events we're going to talk about. I'm at a point, I love what I see you putting on Facebook, and I love being able to report on your successes at these races. I used to do my very, very best to make a response to everybody who I can't do it anymore. Sometimes I'd have to click the like button and move on because there's too many there. For example, let's start on Saturday at the TPC Sawgrass Golf Course in the Jacksonville area for the Donna 5K at TPC Sawgrass. Kim was there. This was Kim's initial running event when she did it back in 2010. 
It was the first run she ever did, started her love of running. As you can imagine, the course is very beautiful. Hilly, rolling kind of terrain, but very beautiful. Great for a training run. And Fitz was the race announcer over there. So that adds to the excitement, I'm sure. In the Indianapolis, Indiana area, the Indy Half Marathon at Fort Bend, there was a half and a 10K. Callie ran the 10K. A little backstory here. Fort Benjamin Harrison used to be an Army post back in the 1990s when they had the Based Realignment and Closure Act. Fort Bend closed. I was assigned there in early 1976. I was there for about four months. So I remember Fort Bend. Callie says that she was worried because she saw the course map for the 10K. And she remembers that when she moved to the Indy area 20 years ago, there's a hill on this course that the car she owned at the time could barely get up. (laughs) So she was a little worried about that. Uh, But she did fine. She's, She's chipping away at her goal of getting a good proof of time. and wants to practice a little on some flatter courses toward the end of the year. I don't remember it being that hilly, but I had to admit that I don't remember getting out of my car much back in those days either. So I certainly wasn't out running much in the Fort Bend area. Uh, Still at the same place, Jen did the half marathon, half number 65 for Jen. She again mentioned the hills. They've got one uh, around a mile 11 that they have a challenge just on t- to see. They have timing match to see who can go up the hill the fastest. It's called the Kill the Hill Challenge. So it must be pretty significant. Uh, Jen says one of the best post-race parties they had with beer and seltzer, pizza, subs, fruit for all the runners, and she definitely recommend this one. Very close to me. The Rock and Roll Clearwater Weekend. That was a big event. 5K Saturday night. Jared and Tiffany were there. They both finished the half. So let's hear more from them when we get to Saturday. Another big weekend. Chicago. The world major Chicago marathon. But on Saturday, the Abbott Chicago 5K. Lauren did this one also did the marathon. So we'll hear more from Lauren on Sunday. Holden Beach, North Carolina, the run Holden Beach half marathon. Mark was there, warm day. The first half of the course was beautiful with really great views, but the last four miles were pretty tough. Mark's the first one to mention it, but I'm pretty sure later on in the report we hear this. Traffic control was not good Uh for part of this. So people had to worry about traffic out there. The runners had to worry about crossing and they didn't get the typical type of traffic control support that we're used to. Uh, This was Mark's first half marathon in under three hours. So first in under three hours, it's got to be a PR. It was so great hearing Mark talk about this race uh, this morning on the the Galloway uh, customized training calling. Just you know, 
hearing the the joy in his voice about that accomplishment i i'm i'm so proud of you mark congratulations on an amazing accomplishment. i know i know he was excited and then uh, i'm glad for him too and we're proud of you mark uh post race there was local barbecue bananas and beer i see a theme they stuff that starts with b at holden beach in falmouth mass the south coast wind cape cod half marathon grace one of the most beautiful courses grace has run so far grace is working on all 50 states she checked off massachusetts here used it as a catered training run Gave her some confidence heading into New York City in a couple of weeks. So Grace will be at New York the weekend that many of us are running wine and dine. Here's another one. They didn't close the course to cars. I, I, don't, I don't quite get it, but fortunately no one got hurt. Overall, a fun one. Great excuse, excuse to spend some time at one of her favorite places in Massachusetts, staying in Massachusetts, the Boston 10K for women. Heidi was there. Heidi just missed the PR, still had a great run. Amy was there too. Heidi and Amy met up. I like hearing when rising runners get together at races. That's really cool. That's one of the reasons we work that race report, that we have that document. So I think that's terrific. Amy had a great time at this one. Uh, after that, she got to go to Foxborough for the Patriots game probably didn't have as great a time if she's a Patriots fan, but you can still have fun, right? Of course, Amy knocked out some squats for Squattober, and she put the video up. Good job, Amy and Heidi. In Tallahassee, the Florida State University Family and Friends Weekend 5K, Lizzie was there, ran that one. Lake Worth, Florida, the Hustle to End Hunger 5K, Jennifer and her husband, Stephen, was fun, got kind of hot in the second mile of the 5K. Stephen placed third in his age group. Way to go, Stephen. Got a coffee mug as a surprise. Nice job, both of you. Chattanooga, Tennessee, Amanda, the Moccasin Bend 10K. Her first race of the fall season and a PR by 16 minutes. Wait, so so this was a 10K, and she PR'd by 16 yeah. minutes. That yeah. is absolutely incredible. Congratulations. So, yeah, so she's shaving off just a little less than three minutes per mile. Wow. Uh, from her last 10K. Oh, my gosh. That's Great awesome. Job. Yeah, it is. And, you, and here's the comment that I like, Amanda's comment. I am so thrilled to see the hard work paying off. That's what we've been talking about. Yes. Yes. The hard work in the summer, the PRs in the fall. Good job, Amanda. In the Chattahoochee National Forest in North Georgia, the Blue Ridge Ultra, Amy ran. They had various distances. Amy ran the 15K. Loved the fall temperatures up there in North Georgia. Didn't much like the 3,200 feet of elevation gain in the 15K. That's a lot of elevation for about nine plus miles of running. Uh, oh, Amy yeah. placed third. Yeah. Amy placed third in, she says she placed third in her age group. She placed third in the master's division, which I think is even more impressive because it's a, it's a larger group. So third place finish there 
Congratulations, Amy. I've been looking into doing that race and I almost considered doing it, but then I was just like, well, you know, that's a lot of elevation to work on when I haven't been working on elevation. More kudos to you, man. That's awesome. I think that I think it goes to a 50k. I think that's the longest event they have, Jack. Yeah, it uh, goes to yeah, it goes to 50k. I think it's a 15, 30, and 50. I think it's something like that. Anyway, but uh, a great job by Amy there. In Burry and Washington, this one's more my speed. The Brat Trot. Kimberly and Josh ran this one. Uh, fun little 5k supports the local school district. Weather was perfect, and as you'd expect, or at least hope. From a brat trot, the post-race food was delicious. Wrapping up Saturday in Naples, Florida, the Naples Rocktoberfest 5K. Our good friend David ran that one. Now, this one is a killer time. David finished that 5K in 23 minutes and netted himself an age group first place. David, don't come up north and run the races here. You're not, you're not in my age group, but if you're out there running 23, never mind. I, I don't even want to deal with that. That's awesome. That's awesome. 23 minutes for a 5K. Friends, let's move now to Sunday and one of the biggies, a world major marathon, Chicago this time. We had a good turnout of rise and runners in Chicago. And we've got a couple of them with us for the Race Report Spotlight. Let's see. Let's say hello to Heather. Hi. To Allison. Hello. To Kayla. Hi. And to Lori. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Ladies, thanks for joining us. I think it's great that you all got to come here. And uh, congratulations on finishing Chicago. That's a big deal. We're proud of you, you know. Listen, let's let's hit the highlights here and let's go around the room a little bit. Let's start. I usually start by asking questions about the race expo at big events like this. A Allison, how was the expo in Chicago? Can you believe it was bigger than the Disney expo? Ah, good. I was like overwhelmed. It was I was there for two and a half hours. Oh, wow. Wow. I feel like, and I, I don't have any specifics, but I feel like uh, the Chicago Marathon doesn't have an exclusive contract with the ex with Nike for the Expo merchandise. So they allowed other running companies to be at the Expo. And I was just like, tell me more. So you weren't even, you, and they, and the other running companies had, their own take on the Chicago ma Marathon merch. So if you didn't like Nike, you could you could have gone to I I the Asics had a had a booth and uh, I forget I, I think it was gosh I I don't remember the the other company but it it was massive. Um, there was a, a big booth for milk, and they were trying to have a sponsor quote unquote women runners uh and i saw them at at the nike at the uh, new york city marathon expo and they gave out uh t-shirts jackets and all you had to do was oh very cool <laughs> very cool very cool uh 
Lori, did you see anything worthwhile, anything interesting, noteworthy at the expo? The expo was very well run. It was, um, we, we drove in the, from the train. It was right there on the train stop. So it was very convenient to get there. Um, yeah, lots of merchandise. I, I didn't quite care for the Nike stuff. So I bought something from uh, Under Armour. All right. That'll show them. <laughs> yeah, <that's great. laughs> yeah, yeah, th yeah, there was a lot of variety. Uh, we were probably there maybe an hour and a half. Oh, Just nice. Yeah. That's the way it should be. Major event, major expo. So for the um, Team Achilles members who participated, they actually had an AWD coordinator bring our bibs and shirts to our hotel. Oh, so very nice. Completely skip the chaos of the expo, which when you're talking about probably 16 wheelchair users, it definitely made things a lot easier. Plus, our hotel was fairly far from the expo, and it can be hard to get that many accessible Ubers or taxis. So that was a nice perk that is a nice thing it and gosh I, I don't have experiences with any of this but is that the only race you know of that does something like that i think marine corps did it as oh well. okay um i know achilles has a lot of kind of special behind the scenes work that does i don't remember if we had that option for new york but i think we did for marine corps okay it makes sense that marine corps would do something special for athletes with disabilities it does but i'm, I'm glad to hear that that's that's good, Heather. Thanks. One of the things that was really cool for the para-athletes, uh, the ambulatory athletes, was that we had our own bib pickup um, for the expo. So I got me and my guides bibs at our own para-athlete bib pickup, and then they got their uh, guide bibs as well. So we didn't have to, I didn't have to look for like matching bib numbers or anything. They had their our own special bib pickup at the expo. That's really neat. I'm I'm glad that they make those types of accommodations for 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 the athletes. So that that's really really awesome to hear. It was just so much more accessible than like I mean the only, again the only big thing I have to compare it to is Run Disney where you're like looking to match your bib number in between to find like where you pick up your bib. So it was nice that I could just walk up and they had all the AWD bibs in one spot. Now listen, over overall question. Let's uh, Kayla. Kayla, how was the weather? Oh, the weather was perfect. Oh, um, good. And well, for, for AWD, we actually really got spoiled. Um, so we went in and we had to check in at the Art Institute in the morning, which is right next to the start line. And we checked in about 545. And we got to wait inside of the, of the yeah. Art Institute. <laughs> yeah. So we got checked in with AWD. Um, both my guides got checked in. And then we were in, there was an ambulatory uh, AWD like room our institute and we got to wait in there till about 7 15 so we got to wait a good chunk inside which was great was it uh was it kind of cool Allison or how was what were the temperatures like because New York City hasn't like officially gone into fall until this week I've I've been dealing I felt it was chilly at the at the beginning but it wasn't as cold as people were saying that the 5k the day before was um, I had like a, a sweater and um, and I had a heat sheet and I felt fine um, at the in the corrals. And then once I um, the race started, I put on I took off the, the sweater and the heat sheet, obviously. And, and I ran with a running skirt and, and a tank. Cool. Very good. So uh, for the athletes with disabilities, uh, do you guys start before everybody else or? I know we have two different athletes with disabilities. I know, Heather, do you guys start before? 
So we did um, the push room started first and this one, they had uh, two waves of push rooms. So they had the elite waves and then the regular uh, push room participants. And then the hand cycles started after us. And we all started before the ambulatory runners. Yep. We started. Um, so it was uh, like, we were on the runners left outside of the actual corrals. And then they had like a funnel into like that first wave. So we were technically in corral E and so they let everybody go. And then as soon as E's corral came up to the start line, they started like filtering in guides and athletes like one at a time in like maybe three second intervals. So we just waited in that shoot until they told us to go and we were able to go right at near the end of E. All right, let's get into the race itself. Chicago Marathon is on my bucket list. I didn't get in the lottery last year. I'm gonna, I might throw my hat in the ring next year as well. But Chicago is one of my favorite places to travel to. Been there many, many times for work. There's lots of really, really fabulous sites. Laurie, what were some of the course highlights uh, for you over the course of these 26.2 miles? I think the first thing that surprised me the most was how much I loved Chicago. <laughs> Like it was an absolutely beautiful city and we did a, a lot of sightseeing prior to that. But the course itself, um, I found it similar to London and fan support was amazing. Um, going through the different uh, neighborhoods and the, the vibrancy and the um, how excited people were, like it really pumped you up and kept you going. Like, And it was pretty much flat. So that was good too. Yeah, it's it's kind of known for that. That's except for the very end, as I recall. Except for the end, yeah. <laughs> but I'm I want to hear from everyone about the course. Uh, Allison, why don't you go next? Tell us what you found exciting about the course, or what's some of your special moments. My special moments. Well, I I've only run one other world major, which was New York City, and I love the fact that it was uh that it was equally as uh, the course was equally as big as as New York City, where all the crowds are out there. The volunteers are amazing. They're they're supporting you as they're giving you water and Gatorade. They're like, go go, keep it up, keep it up. Um, at each water station, I feel like there there was a DJ, so there was music get, pumping you up. Um, so you you don't feel like you were by yourself. Very nice, Kayla. How about you? So I obviously experienced the course a little different than most sure, people do. Sure, sure. Um, but one of the big tips I got from a, another friend of mine who's done world majors, and this was my first world major, was to print your name on the front of your shirt. Mm -hmm. And especially mm -hmm. being a visually impaired runner, every corner, every straightaway, every water station, somebody was yelling my name. And that was just mind blowing. Like, I can't see you. I can't. <laughs> I can't like take all of that in, but I can hear you shouting my name from a complete stranger. And that just, it kept me going so far. <laughs> but yeah, the course, the course was great. Um, I am originally from Illinois. I haven't been to Chicago a ton, but just to appreciate the city was amazing. Awesome. Heather, wrap it up for us on the course. Uh, some of the exciting well, parts. So, um, like Kayla, they actually, when we got our bibs for the chair athletes, we got uh, bibs with our last name on them. So sort of a similar experience. It was on the back of my chair. So people in the crowd were yelling my number until I passed them. And then as I passed them, they were yelling my last name. And I, I thought this is one of the best races I've done as far as other runners 
just being so supportive. Like people would run up and as they passed me, they were yelling my name, cheering for me. Oh, nice. And That's the other awesome. thing is neat is we did an architectural boat tour the day before the race. Oh, so I've always wanted to do that. It was really neat just to run by the buildings or some of the buildings that we had seen on that architectural boat tour. And I will admit I'm not great with like city like geography and stuff. So that was really helpful to sort of appreciate the course and see what I was seeing or understand what I was seeing. This course also had some of the best runner courtesy I've ever seen. Oh, that's nice. I don't know if it was because it was a world major or because it was, but I, I had so many people because I had my name on my front and then I had blind runner on the back. And so just the people like, giving me space or I'd, I had a woman like tap me. She's like, I'm here just so you know, and like pass me. Oh. Like, okay. So just the runner courtesy was amazing. Outstanding. I didn't hit a single person. So that tells you that people were. Courteous. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, I had to say also in terms of courtesy, uh, the horse marshals were actually very good at keeping like the crowd, um, to, to the right or the left of the of the course so that they wouldn't go into the the blocking us the runners that's important that was nice yes, yeah it was sure very important is. because there sure there've been races where like you're you're pretty much bumping into the spectators just one other question about the course you guys before we got on the on the call you talked about the red carpet what's up with this red carpet some of the bridges that we cross are sort of a metal grate and it can pop our tires if you hit the metal grate, particularly our front tires. Um, and there was some uh, speculation about that at the wheeled athlete start. And so I had the opportunity to ask Susanna Scaroni, who's who got second place in the marathon. She's a very, very elite athlete. And I was like, carpet or no carpet? And she said, use the carpet. So, I <laughs> so they would carpet out half of each bridge. The only complaint I have with that is it wasn't consistent which side of the bridge was carpeted. And I always try to avoid cutting across the field of runners to switch sides. But there were a few times where I had to, and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I have to be on the carpet. And people just kind of laughed and weren't understanding, but That's they nice. were helpful. No flat tires. Lori, did the, Lori, did the uh, carpet make a difference for runners? Uh, for me, I, I, I ran on both. I ran on the carpet. I ran off the carpet. It, it, it didn't really affect me. Didn't make much difference, huh? No. Okay. I can kind of picture the type of bridge you're talking about. It's kind of like an open grate. And yeah. 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 I get it. I, I would, if I was running in heels, it would have been <laughs> <laughs> well, and, You mean and, you didn't? I didn't. I didn't. Oh, goodness gracious. Next year. <laughs> going on the carpet was kind of akin to rolling through mud, but it was definitely worth it to not yeah. risk ruining yeah. my whole race. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you've told us before where you've lost a tire early on and makes it a lot tougher to push. Definitely. Yeah. I just want to alert runners that there are three spots on at the uh, Chicago marathon course. There are that I label as mean. Uh oh. And, and and no one tells you these things. <laughs> okay. Well, you're going to, right? Yes. Okay. So at about mile 22, you're you're as you're turning, you see mile 24 across the street, which is covered by like this little patch of grass, and you're like, 
what is going on? Where is this turn? And it feels like forever. So that's just mean. Yeah. But there's puppies there. So. Oh, that, that takes away puppies. some of the sting, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The second mean part of the marathon course, and I feel like I, I might may, may or may not have missed why it said 800 meters to go, but everyone knows that your watch is acts wonky because of all the, the, yeah, the buildings right. and things. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you can't go buy your watch. So at mile 24, I see a, a sign that says 800 meters to go. And I'm like, what? So I'm hauling, going as fast as I can. I am about to finish this race. And next thing you know, it's mile 25, one mile to go. <laughs> and the last mean part of the course is that mountain at the very end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I understand that. It's a, it's a on-ramp, a highway on-ramp, isn't it? It is. And um it's and it's it's like two little two big bumps before then there's a downhill and then you finish. I was definitely warned about that and then was still not mentally prepared for like the come on. <laughs> <laughs> I only thought that last one was mean is because people are already like lined up cheering for the the you know, the finish and they're like, Come on, you can do it, you can do it. And I'm like, I'm not quitting. It's just very anticlimactic to watch me push up a hill yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's tough you have mentioned it but i want to go around because i've kind of glossed over first major for some of you me first major for kayla are you the only one kayla everybody else has done a major before huh mm -hmm. oh, two this year <laughs> two this year laura you did what was what's the London. other one you did oh I did London outstanding in the spring outstanding. yeah yeah well you're having a good year laurie and I mean that sincerely, no joking. That's really impressive. So I'm curious um, for the three of you that have done other world majors, um, I would like to hear which world major was your favorite. So Allison, you had said you did New York and then now Chicago. Which one did you like the best? Oh, my gosh, because I am a big New Yorker. This is going to be a bad, it's, it's going to be bad. And I might get some blowback, but I think I like Chicago better. It's okay. Because we won't we won't tell. <laughs> so it's the fact that, you know, they told us I was in wave two. So they told us to be there by by 6 a.m. But my corral started at, at 8, 8 a.m. As opposed to New York, where you're getting on a, on a bus at 6 a.m., traveling all the way to Staten Island, and yeah. then waiting for your wave to start. And for me, I'm, I was starting at 1130 and now I think they pushed the corrals to uh, the waves to start at 12 for the, the later runners. And so, you know, add five hours plus you're finishing late, late in the day or, or early evening. And that's yeah. just so much. Yeah. So I think, I think uh, Chicago spoiled me. Today. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Heather, which other world majors have you done? Um, so I did New York last year and I'm also doing New York again this year. And I thought I would prefer New York for the crowd, but Chicago matched, I think, New York every bit with the crowd and the just diversity of the neighborhoods. And anytime I don't have to cross the Verrazano Bridge is a great day. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. 
and Laurie, you've done London and now Chicago. Is there any others? Uh, that's the two now. Uh, Berlin next year. I mean, okay. Um, Do you have but, a preference? Uh, oh, hands down, it's London. If you can okay. <laughs> imagine how great the crowds were in Chicago, London blew them out of the water. It wow. Was, wow. Everywhere you went on the course in London, it was five, six people deep. It was, and it, it's hard to compete with running by uh, Tower Bridge and Buckingham yeah. Palace and Big That's Ben. That's true. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But Chicago was great. Yes. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit now, you know, obviously lots of memories happen on the course, but the one thing that I, I think sometimes we gloss over a little bit when we do these race report spotlights is, and especially for a world major, let's talk about the emotion of crossing the finish line. And Kayla, I want to start with you because obviously it, it was your first world major you know, based on Instagram, you had a massive run Disney community oh. crew there supporting you all the way around. I, I, I you're, you're getting emotional right now I, and you haven't even started talking about it. Talk to us about what it was like to cross that finish line going so, uphill to that finish line. I should. Say. <laughs> so I, I had big goals for this race. I really, really wanted to PR this race and we got to which I really appreciated. They at 25.2, they had a big sign that said one mile to go. And I look down at my watch and I turn to my guide and I'm like, I could do a 20 minute mile and still PR. And he looks nice. at me and goes, we're not going to do that. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. And so we turned uh, and we went up the bridge and then we made that last like left-hand turn. I look at my watch and I'm like, I'm going to, I gave all I could to the finish line and I stopped my watch and it was a 10 minute PR. Very good. And we both just lost it. Oh, that's <laughs> like, great. Hugs at the finish line. I, I'm pretty sure he like carried me to medals. Like, <laughs> and then of course I always have to put his medal on and then he put my medal on. I lost it all over again, <laughs> but it was just like the, I put, I definitely put a lot of like hard work into this into this race and with the weather and just how I felt on race day like it all just worked out so that finish line was definitely worth it awesome amazing We're proud of you. congratulations <laughs> yeah and like uh, of course Joe was there um he was our on-course support my uh best friend from New York came in she flew in to watch me for more on-course support so it was it was so wild just to have be able to, I was lucky enough to have that experience with the people that I was with. Um, so Bank of America is one of the sponsors for the Chicago Marathon, provided a volunteer for each wheeled athlete. So they not only helped us get to the Art Institute to start, but they were at the finish line holding a sign with our name on it. And as somebody who usually travels to races alone, that uh, definitely was so meaningful to me and to have Brenda there waiting for me and cheering me on and telling me, you know, what a great job I did and everything. It was just, it made it so special. And then just having my Achilles teammates, again, as somebody who normally travels to races alone, it just, the experience is always better with friends. That's what I love about Disney. And this gave me that at a world major. So it made it even better. I, th I think for me, it was a very quiet experience. Where, where London, when I was trying to break 
the five hours and I did. I got really emotional and burst into tears. But this one, I had no nerves. You know, I, I, I've I done this before. I knew I could do this. And it was very quiet, relaxing experience, if you can believe it or not. And you also had a PR though, Lori, correct? Yes, I had a 16-minute PR. Congratulations. Thank you. I didn't PR, but um, this marathon coming to it, it was, I had like a rock solid um, training. I trained for, to, to complete it and to complete it upright. I didn't train it for speed. And it, it was my first marathon after a bunch of Disney's where you, you take it a little less rigid. And I, but I, I still went into the, to the race saying, I'm, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to take all the sights in, take the crowds in. And I beat all my, my Disney times. And I beat my, my last uh, New York City time where I was about to, I had such a horrible race experience that I was almost going to quit <laughs> running marathons. And I kind of broke down on mile 24 and I was like, oh my gosh, I am about to finish this. And I am feeling great because there is no wall that I'm hitting. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, ladies, I'd like to go around the room one last time. And I want to ask, first of all, congratulations on a great race at Chicago. Proud of all of you, as you know, we are. I want to know what's next what's next in terms of big races and when are we going to see you at Disneyland or Disney world? Heather, why don't you start please? Oh, so my next race in my usual fashion, I have Detroit this weekend. Another marathon, right? Another marathon. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Three for three. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a next... good one though. That's the, that's the international marathon, right? It is. Yep. I'm really excited about it. And it's with a again, which I love. Yeah. Um, and then I have New York City also this year. And then I'll be at Disney for Dopey since, of course, New York City and Wine and Dine are the same. They weekend. are same weekend. Yeah. But we'll see you in January. That's great. Lori, how about you? Uh, for me, well, I have beat Beethoven in uh, yeah. December. Yeah, got pushed off, right? <laughs> it did. Um, I hope you don't get snowed out on that one. Uh, doesn't usually snow before Christmas here. So. Okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, I'll be seeing some of you at the Donna Marathon in Jacksonville. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I had mentioned before, I, I secured a spot for Berlin next year. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I, I must tell you guys, um, one last year or a year and a half ago, Bob, you gave me a jelly bracelet with Rise and Run. Yeah. And it's become my good luck symbol. I've Outstanding. Both uh, major marathons. Lori, that's awesome. Uh, now, you've got two down. You've got the third one lined up. Any plans to do all six? Oh, yeah. That's the plan. Allison, what's next? When do we see you at Disney? Going to see me at Disney in January for Dopey. All right. <laughs> this is my that. first Dopey. It's a biggie. Yeah. It's a biggie. You're going to like it. I promise. Well, <laughs> I hope. And Kayla. I will be at Wine and Dine. Um, I, me and Alicia are perfect challengers, so we got to go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll be back for Goofy, so another marathon. Okay, great stuff. 
ladies, congratulations. We're so proud of all of you. I think that's awesome. Can't wait to see you again. Thanks for spending your time with us. We really enjoyed having you here. Thanks, Rez and Ron. Have a good night. Night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thanks, guys. Ladies, thanks for joining us. Great report. Love hearing about the major events. Glad you all had such a great time. We had others. Amanda was there. Amanda ran this one with zero sleep after working a red-eye flight from Seattle to Chicago O'Hare. Amanda is a flight attendant. Uh, Got in at 5 a.m. race morning. She shook off. You shook off the tire feeling by mile 10 and just took in the crowds and the streets of Chicago. Remember how great it feels to finish a marathon. The next morning, she's working the 6 a.m. flight back from O'Hare to Seattle. And (laughs) of course, she put on her medal with her in-flight uniform. She says, don't tell my supervisors, but I'm thinking... It's absolutely appropriate to do that. Absolutely. Heck yeah. You you, you can't go through the metal detector at TSA, even if you (laughs) have pre-check. But um, but you know what, Amanda, I'm going to have to reach out to you privately. Being a flight attendant, I need all tips and tricks in terms of how to sleep on a flight because I am absolutely terrible at it. Look, I know you're supposed to be working, but I need any advice to learn how to sleep on a red eye because I've had two this year and I have two more coming up this year and I can't sleep a wink. So I I need all the advice that you can get. But congratulations on an amazing uh, world major here. Could be an episode, Greg. Absolutely. Uh, Continuing down the list of runners, Amelia. Amelia's second marathon, first world major. Hurt her ankle about halfway through, slowed her down quite a bit. Uh, Still finished about the same time as she did her first marathon. So she's happy to finish it all and real happy with that result that she got. Ashley ran her first major. Uh, Brianna was there. Our friend Chris Twiggs was there. Chris didn't put himself in the race report, but I know he was there. He, He killed this one. But the one comment that I copied here that Chris made, and our race report spotlight friend said this too, the conditions at Chicago this year were ideal. Chris called it a 10 out of 10. Denise was there. Aaron was there. Uh, Jason. Jason PR'd this one by 47 minutes. Another impressive yeah. PR time. Holy cow. Yeah. 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 Uh, great job, Jason. Uh, Jason did it while wearing a jim mcmahon jersey that he had guayan pizza apparel make specially for him i think he got an extra boost from the crowd from wearing the, the mcmahon jersey huh? did he did he do the super bowl shuffle at the finish line he, i don't think so i know he wore the headband though remember mcmahon was getting in trouble yes. with the league? yeah he wore the headband uh jeff from indiana was there jeff did chicago marathon number 10 and Overall marathon number 34, which he points out, was Walter Payton's old number. Yes, it was. Uh, uh, bears. <laughs> Karen was there. Karen ran this one 42 minutes faster than she ran the marathon at Dopey. That's fantastic. Now, wow, way to go, I get, Karen. I get that, too. This is This is different. You didn't run a 5K and a 10K and a half before it. But great job. Great job for your first world major. 
Congratulations, Karen. Kelly was in Chicago for the first time, or at least it was her first Chicago marathon. Kristen was there. Lauren did her first marathon. Her only goal was to finish within the official time allotted. And she did that with plenty of time to spare. The official allotted time, 6.30, Karen ran, or I'm sorry, Lauren ran in 5.40. Great job. Our official Walt Disney World weatherman, Ryan, ran this one. Uh, the first 20 went really well for Ryan, and things got it a little tough. Decided to just ease off, have some fun. Even took a jello shot at mile 25. Raced to the finish to get a sub 445 and finished in 444. It would have been neat to finish in 444.44, but it wasn't quite like that. But he did finish in four hours, 44 minutes. So he beat that 445. This was his first Chicago and second world major. Simone was there. Simone had high expectations since New York City was her first marathon in 21. Chicago did not disappoint. She really enjoyed it. Now it's time to train for Dopey. Sherry was there, as was Tara. This was Tara's, another friend from Canada. Tara's first world major. Loved the crowd. Did the name on the shirt thing that our spotlight friends were talking about where everybody shouts out your name and she PR'd by 25 minutes. Congratulations. Great. Great to see so so many names at the Chicago marathon. Congratulations to all of you. Uh, In Boulder, Colorado, the Boulderthon Half Marathon, our friend from Israel, Jonathan, was there. Jonathan did run. Hopefully, he decided what pair of shoes to wear. That's kind of an inside joke. If you looked at his Facebook post, he was trying to figure out what shoes to wear. Uh, I know some of us have been in contact with Jonathan in light of what's going on in Israel. He, He assured me that his family was okay. He was on his way back. He got stuck in Paris. And as Jonathan would do when handed lemons, he made lemonade. So since he had two extra days in Paris, he had to make a Disneyland Paris trip. So I'm glad things are going all right for Jonathan and his family. Another big event, you know, the services have, they all sponsor some big race. We, we know the Marine Corps Marathon. That's probably the biggest of them. Uh, The Air Force Marathon in Dayton is very well received. I think the Navy kind of piggybacks. They have other events. They kind of piggyback with the the Marine Corps. For the Army, it's the Army 10-Miler in Washington, D.C. That's a a great event. I've never done it, but I understand it's fantastic. Brenna was there. Her favorite part of this one was Miles 5 and 6 on Independence Avenue because it was an out-and-back and she got to high-five the other runners as they were going the other way. Kate did it. Kate, 10 miles, not enough for Kate. Kate did this as part of her 18-mile training run. She did a catered uh, 10-mile run in D.C. Running eight prior to starting the race is a good way to stay under your training pace speed limit. Uh, Good race, had fun. Saved the banana again. You got to see the Facebook pictures. Save the banana at the end to take home to her dog. The banana eating dog. Gotta love it. 
Melissa and Nikhil were also there at the Army 10 Miler. In Newport, Massachusetts, the it's either Amica or Amica. I'm going to go with Amica. Newport Half Marathon. Madge was there. Seven years ago, this was Madge's very first half marathon, which she ran at that time in a tropical storm. Uh, this year, it was beautiful. She saw horses on the course. She saw a shark on the course. It was gorgeous. That's right. She saw a shark on the course. Both mine and Jack's eyes popped up. we <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it, was, it was a shark costume. Somebody, I don't know if it was a character stop or somebody was running in it, but it was a shark costume. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought I'd slip that one by you. Gorgeous course, beer and pizza at the end. Beer and pizza at the end will make almost any course gorgeous. What more could you want, said Madge, and she answered her own question. Donuts, that's what more I could want. Oh, good for you, Madge. Uh, Rachel ran it with her husband, Ken, uh, second half marathon, beat their old time by four minutes. So that's a PR two times. More importantly, says Rachel, and I agree, more importantly, she felt much stronger this time. That's great. Beautiful course, perfect weather. Her husband had Yoda ears on, which was a big hit. Uh, they met some fellow Disney runners who were going to be at Marathon Weekend. How did the other Disney runners know that Rachel and Ken were Disney runners? Well, sparkle skirts, Yoda ears, that's a dead giveaway. Uh, the Wine and Dine Half coming up will be their first Disney race. Then on the marathon weekend in their first marathon. So Rachel and Ken look forward to seeing you at Wine and Dine Weekend. Back to Clearwater, the inaugural rock and roll Clearwater half marathon. I want to make a couple of comments in general about the race. First of all, the weather could not have been better for Florida at this time of year. And what's crazy about it is it changed overnight. I was out Saturday. The temp was in the 80s, low 80s. Dew point was 75. By Sunday morning, the temp was down to, I think the race time temp was like 65 or 66. And the dew point was 45. Guys, that's winter for us. 45 degree dew point. So they had that going. The other thing I wanted to talk about, and I heard several of the people who did the race. The finish to this race was kind of strange. I got there and I headed over to, I, I could hear the race announcers. I headed over to that area. There were a bunch of people hanging around. And I got there in time to see the second male runner cross the finish line. I know it was because the race announcers told us. And the way it works is there's a bridge right above us that the runners are on. And then they come down this pedestrian path that corkscrews down to below, to the road below. So the first couple guys came running down. Then we got word that the first woman finisher was coming along and we could see her and she's walking down this corkscrew thing. I thought that's pretty odd. She runs across what, again, what we think is a finish line. Then more and more people, and finally everybody's walking. Well, it turns out 
that what we all thought was the finish line, including the race announcers, was not the finish line. The race actually finished above us so that the people were actually just walking. And they were confused, too. Uh, so maybe this was first year jitters for this one, but let's take a look at who was there. Christina ran the challenge, the 5k and the half. She PR'd in the half. Sub 230 for Christina. I did get a chance to see Christina. That was great. I did not plan well. And unfortunately, and I apologize, you know, my friends here, you know how much I love seeing our rise and run friends cross the finish line. And Christina is the only one that I saw. Uh, Kristen was there. Jared was there. Jason ran this one. Great event. Jason actually changed his run-walk-run intervals because the weather was so good. He finished with his fastest halftime in the last five years, just barely over three hours. That gave him what we give credit for a decades PR. This was the fastest he's run in his 40. That's worthy of a bell. Kaylee was there. Laura was there. Sonia. Sonia's comment was, this one was flat until it wasn't. Yeah, I get that. Obviously, most of the terrain around here is flat, but there were three bridges in here, or causeways, as they call them. And one of them's right at the beginning and the end, and it is no-nonsense tough. Uh, I think two of these are pretty tough. The third one's a little bit better, but all three of them were challenging. Uh, Sonia felt good for most of us till the last 5K. Then she had to dig deep a little bit. She suffered through some transportation problems getting in and around on this race. Still did a great job. Tiffany did both the 5K and the half. Monica did this one. Said it wasn't her favorite, wasn't her best, but that's okay. She was cold at the start. And I get it. If you're just standing around, especially if you were in the shade, you get the breeze blowing right off the water. It was a little chilly, especially if you're used to the temperatures down here as they normally are. The bands on course was, were great. She made a comment on the number of law enforcement people who were out on this course. And I saw that too. As I was driving up, um, my wife Becky was with me. I said, golly, I think every police car from the cities of Largo and Clearwater have to be on this course somewhere. It was impressive. Uh, Monica also commented on the unusual finish. And Monica finished this one with a sub two-hour half marathon. Good job, everyone. I look forward to doing that one next year. It really, it looked like it was a lot of fun. Let's move to Hampton, Virginia for the Crawling Crab Half Marathon. Sandra and her daughter did that one. They did run, walk, run together for the first nine and a half miles. Sandra continued her intervals while her daughter had to break and walk. One of the neat things about the Galloway method is that it will preserve your energy towards the end. Sandra tracked it out and she actually passed 52 people in the last 3.6 miles and finished first in her age group. Well done. Hannah with Samantha. I think Samantha is a friend. I'm not sure. Beautiful day, chilly. Hannah had a concussion a few weeks ago. Wasn't sure about this race. 
still managed to get a sub three hour finish, which for Hannah is a PR. In Nantucket, Massachusetts, the Nantucket Half Marathon, Amy, this one was two six and a half mile loops, great temps, pretty hilly. Uh, trail course with lots of sand. Some of it kind of loose. That's tough to run in. Still finished close to her PR time. Said she'd run this with one again. Her sixth half overall. Next, all four Disney halves in the upcoming season for Amy. Amy, I just want to say as your coach, I'm so proud of you for this one. Because the conditions were not easy. The wind and then some of the sand that they had to run through was so deep. And so as a runner, I'm impressed. And as your coach, I'm just super impressed with you of how close you came to your PR. Um, So great job. I'm really proud of you. Absolutely. Good job, Amy. In Celebration, Florida, the Advent Health Pink on Parade 5K, Jody. Jody said the weather was great, which it was around here on Sunday. Used this as a warm-up her long run not sure what her official time was but according to her peloton app she came in in under 30 minutes for this 5k great job jody moving up to new york albany specifically the mohawk hudson river half marathon mary did her first half in a new age group But not only did she get an age group PR here, she set her lifetime PR, beat it by three minutes. You just keep getting better, Mary. Way to go. Congratulations. Long Beach, California, the night of the living runners half marathon. Sharon. Sharon was visiting Disneyland for her 15th anniversary, needed a long run. So what the heck? Sign up for a half marathon. Uh, she won the female masters was third woman overall sub two hours and a PR Sharon, you, you just won the (laughs) masters. What are you going to do next? She's going to, well, she's already at this. She's already at Disneyland. This was interesting. The beach area, totally foggy that they ran around, made it hard to see the water, but it was perfect. Because when Sharon got married, they were at a scenic overview in the mountains, but it was totally foggy. So they couldn't see the view at all. It was like being in the clouds. So what a great way to celebrate your anniversary, right? Good job, Sharon. Over in the UK, the, and I hope this is right, Kielder Half Marathon in Northumberland. Build as Britain's most beautiful event. Another foggy race day. Probably not the same fog that they were having in Long Beach, California, but I, I don't know. Anything's possible. Uh, the fog here was so thick that the race got delayed. Our friend Andy was running this one. Uh, he didn't realize it was a trail course. Sounds like he, something I would do, Bob. I was going to say, yeah, he, <laughs> he follows Jack's. And especially with the fog, you know, he looked out, he didn't, no, I don't know. If it, <laughs> uh, this could also, if Bill is the most beautiful, he might also claim the title of one of the toughest in the UK too. It 
goes around the UK's largest artificial lake. Apparently, the race directors advertise this as undulating terrain. Andy says that's probably a bit of an understatement. Uh, They do, in the UK, refer to Northumberland as God's country because of how beautiful the views are. Andy's got a video of this on his YouTube channel. In a couple of more weeks, he's going to be on his way to Disney World. Andy's running at Wine and Dine. In East Rutherford, New Jersey, not far from John, the New York Giants Foundation 5K and Kids Race. Michelle did her last 5K before Wine and Dine. Great weather, awesome finish line. Can't wait to see everybody at Wine and Dine. Ariana, Michelle's daughter, did the kids race on the turf at MetLife Stadium there. How cool is that? How cool would that be for anybody, let alone a kid to run around there? That's incredible. But, John, I I do have a quick question for you. Was this a race or was this open tryouts for the Giants (laughs) since you guys are um, struggling a little bit right now? Wait, wait, did the Giants play football there? They're being mean. (laughs) I mean, I'm reading Bob's notes here and – it said that Ariana did a hundred yard sprint into the end zone. Yep. That's that's the only time someone saw the end zone in Giant Stadium this year, I think. Oh man. All right. I'm hard on my team when they're bad. Okay. That's fair. They're not good. But hey, the season's young. Let's see what happens. Four wins. That's all I got. Okay. All right. All right. Moving right along. Wichita, Kansas, the Prairie Fire Half Marathon. Robert did that one. In Hendersonville, North Carolina, not far from Asheville, the Black Bear Half Marathon and 8K. Jennifer ran this one. Uh, Jennifer ran the half, I believe. One of the most beautiful courses she's run in a long time. Says nine of the best miles she's run in a long time, then struggled for the final four. So nine, four, 30. Yeah, that'd be a half. Okay, good. Uh, she, she tweaked her knee. I don't want to joke about that. Uh, it was marathon training, so she focused on finishing without messing up her knee anymore and completing what's called the Appalachian Trilogy. I am not sure what other races are involved in that, but she finished this one this weekend. Uh, she, Her comment, Run Disney isn't the only organization that tempts you with challenge miles, and she's right. A lot of that going around, and I fall for it myself quite often. It looked like a beautiful race, and then I loved she had these little bear ears because it was the Black Bear Half Marathon, um, and so I love seeing her race pictures. That's neat. I I saw them. Let me show you how observant I did. I didn't notice the barriers, but that's cool. That's cool, Alicia. Now, we had the Rock and Roll Half Marathon in Clearwater. In Cleveland, they ran the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Half Marathon. And Lori ran that one. It was beautiful weather here. It was nasty weather there. In the 40s with gale force winds. No thank you. Finished in the pouring down rain. Oh, that makes it even better. Uh, Water was splashing over the breaker walls when they ran the last five miles along Lake Erie. Still finished with a really solid time considering the 
considering the conditions. So congratulations, Laurie. Way to gut one out. Manchester, New Hampshire, the Oktoberfest 5K. Kate ran that one. Kate's coached by somebody we know. Brittany Charbonneau is Kate's coach. Uh, Last weekend now, Brittany had Kate do a mock-up run for Wine and Dine. So she ran five miles on Saturday last week. Decent effort, then had to run the Rockfest half on Sunday. Got great results, broke an hour 45 in that half. Then she turns around and runs the 5K this weekend. First two miles, super hilly. They kept the conservative. Smart move. Yet, even wearing a dirndl, carrying a fake pretzel and fake pier, she pulled off an age group win. Neat. Lots of fun at the post race with many local run Disney friends. I think it was largely folks from the hashtag run dopey group. Uh, got super excited to be back with her people at Wine and Dine in a few short weeks. Kate, we know the feeling. Let's finish up the race report in London. The Royal Parks half Katie was there. Weather was a bit warm. She wasn't really trained, but still came in under two hours, 30 minutes. Really fun course. Hopes to do it again next year. Okay, friends, it's a Zoom Thursday. Gosh, I look forward to that. Instructions are already up on our Facebook group page. We had a Zoom on Saturday. Attendance was not all that great. So let's see what we're going to do on those in the future. But meanwhile, the Thursdays are going strong. Now's a great time. Hey, look, if you got questions, if you haven't been to a Run Disney event before, Maybe you haven't been to Wine and Dine and you want to ask questions this Thursday would be a great time to do it. Hope to see, hope to see you there. We always have fun on those Thursday night Zoom calls. All right, my friends. And of course, you know that if you run, you are our friend. And if you're still with us at this length of the episode, you're really our friend which it probably also means you're somewhere around mile 15 or 16 right now. Hang in there. Keep it up. You can do this. I hope Chad's okay with this one. (laughs) This would be perfect for Chad. Friends, that's going to wrap it up. Until we see you soon, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.